Welcome everybody to our third actual play session through the Candlekeep Mysteries. As always, we're really excited to go ahead and invite our Patreons in to come and play with us on a fine, sunny Sunday afternoon. Uh, we have some new players and some old players and some players that were here last month also. And so uh, this is going to be really great. We've got a really great cast on here for today. As sort of a postlude to last month. There's going to be a little bit here at the beginning, close out a little bit of last month. So first of all, I hope that anybody that was here for last month's game, I hope that you saw the items and things which were bestowed upon you and that you have them you know, on your character sheet. Anybody who wasn't here last month doesn't have one, but th there are three players here from last month. So hopefully you guys all have your stuff. And so again, we're going to kind of guide through the introductions here for this first half, like we do always. Without further ado, let's begin. So as always, our mission today begins with several of you mingling around the hearth, which is the tavern in the large central courtyard of Candlekeep. Kess, Alarai, Kilvarax, and Inan find themselves milling about, drinking their normal drinks, enjoying their normal after-day study imbibes and meals while seated at the tavern. Arlington, the avowed that you have come to know as sort of the welcomer for new seekers to Candlekeep, is in his normal bar stool at the bar. He and Emoen are talking in hushed tones about sort of the way that things are going by. And as usual, he periodically will pull an amulet out of a pouch on his side. It will glow with a faint green and he will mutter something under his breath about the carriage being late. You will have learned over the last several days or weeks as, as you've been here that he seems to be always complaining about the fact that the carriage is late for some reason or another. Uh, the carriage just never seems to be on time. And so while last time it was a little out of place because of the extreme weather that you guys were having, it does not seem to be that unusual that it happens. All that to say that when he sees you all sitting at your respective tables, he turns to you and says, Oh, wait, a letter came. Your friend Simeon has left the keep uh, and wished a message to be delivered to you. Uh, hold on. It's around here somewhere. Ah, yes, here it is. That's right. Here it is. And he pulls it out. It is adorned with a wax seal. The wax seal has two ornate capital letter R's entwined on it. And as you open it, uh, it's almost as if you can hear it being read in Simeon's voice. Dearest friends, it is with a heavy heart that I must bid you farewell overnight. A letter has been delivered to me, which beckons me home, as I am to be sworn into the ranks of the Purple Dragons. I will be granted a special post with responsibilities akin to those of the rank of Telsor. This is an honor I've been working towards for most of my life. And though my studies here at Candlekeep are not yet done, I must call them to a pause. I will be gone for some time, but my plan is to return and complete my studies at some point in the future. For now, I will be posted to a unit serving within the city of Suser. 
I leave a gift for you, my friends, and those you meet. Please enjoy this new signature blend of teas that I have developed. Its flavor is both sharp and bold, with the slow back note that is both unique and surprising. In short, the perfect blend to share with friends and companions. I call it Wintermere's Candle Carriage Blend. I do so look forward to sharing it with you all in the future. With time growing short, I leave with the kind words of the sacred pilgrims that travel our lands. Until we meet again, I bid you shade and sweet water. Signed, Simeon Peleus of House Wintermere, Sergeant of the Miralan Guard of Cormir, soon to be Delsword of the Purple Dragons. Oathbound. And with that gift, Arlington takes several boxes with the House Wintermere sigil on them. Within them is this, as he says, bold and surprising aroma of fine tea, freshly ground as gifts to all of you who knew Simeon before he left. We turn now to the carriage that many of you are familiar with. Candy and Searches the Sands, uh, a ornate black carriage with bronze braziers on the corner, lighting the outside, pulled by four masterful steeds, pulls up in front of wherever you are waiting for it uh, to take you to Candlekeep. Candy will begin with you. You step into uh, the carriage. Would you please describe your character? Absolutely. Candy is a just over six foot tall, rather thin, slight, yellow-skinned alien creature, a gith from the Astral Sea. He carries across his lap a great sword that looks well-used and slightly silvered, though not ornately. He wears scale mail armor that is dented and battered as if it has seen much use. And if an alien's features could be read, he would look weary. Excellent. Fabulous. And searches the sands shortly after Candy gets on the carriage. The carriage also pulls up in front of you. Would you please describe your character? All right. Searches the sands is about 5'10", all black fur tabaxi, uh, with some light leather armor on and intricately woven around his left forearm is a golden chain. And you also see a full-fingered golden ring on his right middle finger with a large blue gem upon it. Fabulous. And you step into the carriage and you see our six-foot-tall alien friend, Candy, stepping onto the carriage. You see a almost as tall as you jet black tabaxi. The carriage runs on down the road. The road is well-worn. It's a nice and smooth ride. The steeds are quick. You can feel the breeze around the carriage. It is, again, sort of late spring, early summer. So as night falls, there tends to be somewhat of a chill in the air, but otherwise it's perfectly pleasant. 
after searches the sand steps on the carriage the carriage makes another stop and a gentleman in a large black cloak with a red sash around his waist has a box in his hands and you hear him talking to the carriage driver in hush tones candy or searches the sands do any of you have any interest in uh trying to understand what they are saying candy maintains his distance and his privacy i will not overly pay attention but kind of lean my ear towards to try to see if i can pick up anything With the wind, it's a little hard to pick up exactly what they're saying, but you get the feeling that the gentleman in the black cloak is asking the carriage driver to bring a package to Candlekeep, that he's not interested in passage himself, uh, but he is negotiating uh, for transit of the box that he is holding in his hands. And he and the carriage driver negotiate. um, He hands the box to the carriage driver. um, And then the gentleman in the black cloak seems to disappear into the distance as if unnaturally so then within a few moments carriage driver again steams off and within a short time the carriage arrives finally at Candlekeep, and within the attendant at the front gate ushers the two of you into the waiting tavern and an older grizzled gentleman in the robes of Candlekeep uh, invites you to sit at either bar stool. He turns to his left and Candy looks at you and says, uh, I will be honest, uh, we do not get many of your kind here. Why are you here and what will you be researching? I am learning more about this realm that I reside in now. I learn about the history of the Red Fang and I learn about our foes. You will abide by the rules of the Candlekeep while you are within these walls? Absolutely. Rules are in place for reasons. Then welcome, Seeker. What gift have you brought the library? Candy will take out a small book, probably not more than 10, 15 pages long, and he will open it up and he will incite and he'll offer the book open a book of original poetry in deep speech arlington will respond back to you in deep speech there are not many tomes that are written in this tongue and it is the skilled seeker who seeks them out This will be a valuable addition to our shelves, and the library thanks you. He'll nod his head. Turning to his right, searches the sands. Arlington will address you. We also do not get many of your kind. What are you coming to research? How may we be of assistance? I seek to learn more of the archaeology of the deserts here. I have this old tome detailing many of the tombs found in the Kalim Desert. The sections about the treasures within is a bit outdated, but the rest holds up. I (laughs) seek to find some other tombs that have eluded this book. Mm. My tabaxi friend, if we got rid of tomes in this library merely because their information seems to be outdated, this library would be a quarter of its size and an eighth of its usefulness. 
welcome. You are both granted the rank of seeker for one ten day to conduct your research as you see fit. Humble thanks. After the discussion is done, Catalyst, the avowed assistant to Arlington that many of you are familiar with, walks into the tavern carrying a, a, a black box. Candy and searches the sands. You recognize this box as the box that was given to the carriage driver. For the rest of you in the tavern, it is roughly 18 inches long, eight or nine inches tall, and about 10 inches deep. So it's a sizable box made of wood from the looks of it, stained darkly. Um, there is an engraving of a raven on the top and a red ribbon uh, on the top. It looks like a little parchment tag. And Catalyst brings the box into the tavern and walks up to Arlington and says, uh, Ar Arlington, the, uh, the, the, the carriage rider uh, reports that there was a box given to him to deliver to the Candlekeep here, and it's addressed to Matrias. Now, Kilvarex and Cass, does the name Matrias sound familiar to you? Deeply. Very much so. Arlington gets a, a concerned look on his face. And he turns and looks at you from across the bar and says, uh, Kilvarex and, and, and Kess, uh, you, you uh, investigated uh, the affair with, with, with Matrias, right? Kess looks at Kilvarex. Kilvarex looks over Arlington and says, well, that's putting it mildly. Yes. Can you think of any reason why he would be receiving... Was there anything in his writing saying that he was uh, expecting anything or, or, or anything like that? He had relatives not far that were under duress that he was supposed to go help. That's right. That's right. He was investigating something about what was happening at his home village. Uh, what was it? Some kind of drought or something. I don't quite remember. Destruction? Fire? Candlekeep has fairly robust rules about opening packages in public. This should be investigated. I, I think that perhaps we should... Uh, you know what? Matrias's study cell is, is still available. Uh, we have not disturbed it since the last uh, disturbance. Perhaps we should retire there so that we can investigate the contents of the package. There, there may be clues about what he was searching for within. Alarai and, and Inan, I know you have sort of been part of this merry band now. My tabaxi friend and my gith, if you would be interested, you may have information about the person that delivered this that might be useful. If you would please all attend with me to his cell of study so we can investigate the contents of the box further. I will allay myself as I am able, and I'll follow. Alarai glances at Kess, who she has made friends with since, kind of shrugs and silently follows. Kilvarix looks at Kess and says, here we go again. Kess grins and slips down off the tall stool, lands cat-like, and follows. Your tones insinuate that you are familiar with this individual. What should we know going in? Things did not end well for him. Mm. 
That's an understatement. And this gift comes from beyond the grave? We don't know. We do know that his village urgently needed his help and was searching for him. We did promise we would help him. Honor bound, I am, to make sure that something is done. That is certainly something that I understand. Let us go hence. So Arlington gets up from his bar stool and begins walking through the halls. He he enters a building, and the building is a very drab stone. Again, Kilvarex and Kess, you recognize this as the building that you entered previously. And there are several small doors. They all look very nondescript and very similar. And third one down from the left, Arlington raps three times. Um, there is no answer, but the you hear the unlock of a mechanism from within, and the door opens, revealing a small but well-apportioned room. There's a desk off to one side that seems lit by a candle which has not shrunk since you last saw it, and the flame seems somewhat unnatural as if it is not real fire. Otherwise, this room, Kilvarex and Kess, is exactly the way that you left it before. Uh, The notebook, the handwritten notebook that you had found is still on the desk. And Arlington walks over to the desk and sort of slides some things around to make room for the box. And as he opens the box, there is a dark black leather bound book and a folded note again with a red ribbon tied around it. Arlington pulls it out of the large black-stained box and extends it around the room. Anybody curious enough to open it? I think you should open it over there while I stay over here. I remember what happened in this room last time things were opened. That's fair. That's fair. So he walks over to a far corner of the room, tries to get as far away from many of you as possible, and at the end of his fingertips, undoes the red ribbon surrounding it. And as he does, the parchment opens in front of him, and he looks at it sort of cautiously. Huh. It's a riddle. Says, This book is a key that needs no lock. The other, a lock that needs no key. Use one to open the door to come in, the other to open the door to leave. Well, that's interesting. The other what, says Cass? The other. That's all that it says. Perhaps there's a second book? And what would this book be unlocking? It's probably another extra-dimensional space. That's right. Last time that Matrias was involved, that's what he was researching, were travel to other dimensions and extra-dimensional pocket realms and things. So why would this book have been delivered for him? I wonder how the book is a key. A key to Uh, knowledge? It does appear that that is the obvious interpretation. 
Well, books are not always what they seem around here. We've already learned that. I wonder if the book itself takes us to another space. Well, as our dear Simeon is not here, we may be a little more safe. <laughs> he did have some rather unfortunate literary mishaps, didn't he? Use one, that is this book, to open the door to come in. And the other to open the door to leave. I would agree with Kilvarix. It seems that there is some sort of extra-dimensional play at work here. wonder what happens when we open this book. It's over there in the box. I opened the letter. Too bad we don't have Simeon to open it for us. Do you look have the time for a proper investigation? I'll look around at the others. I will make the same deal with you that we made last time, that I would be happy to reward you for this for investigating what is going on here. You are helping augment the knowledge of the Candlekeep and helping keep Candlekeep safe. We have a great many resources pulled in other directions right now. We would reward you for your investigation. With that said, Alari will walk right over to the book and open it. I will interpose myself if need be. Explain how you would interpose yourself. Kate. I would either step between Alari and the book or if need be, put a hand on her shoulder. And I, and I do say, please don't yet. She'll pause. Proper research. And I will take out my grimoire. And I will begin ritually casting Identify on the book. Excellent. As you cast Identify, you see our gift friend with his hand on the book. Uh, he seems to be in some sort of a trance. And I did take out my grimoire first, so it, it should be obvious that he's casting a spell. Rolls her eyes a little and starts looking around the room. Room seems very much the same way that it was last time you saw it. Uh, absent the uh, giant purple miasmatic door that brought you to another plane of existence. You are trying to commune with the book uh, to go ahead and identify what its nature is. You can tell that it is absolutely a magical thing. It is not a normal book. It is. It definitely has some sort of magic about it. But it is almost as if when you tried commuting with it, if you think about the uh, like the depictions of like in physics drawings about the gravitational pull of a black hole, how they just seem to be this infinite well of nothingness kind of at the end, that's almost what you feel as you try to identify with it. You can tell for sure it is distinctly magical, but it's almost like whatever its essence is, you're not able to see the bottom of the well, so to speak. It is definitely as if it is there's a connection between this book and something else. Something else or somewhere else? Somewhere else. I believe that your ideas are correct. As you're identifying, you get the sense of purple. You see purple, you taste purple, you hear purple. There's something, it, this purple, dark, deep purple sense. You're not getting that the purple is an identifier, but it is more a characteristic of the origin of the book or the passage or something like that. Very confusing visions coming from your identify. Your original assessment seems to be accurate. This book is linked to somewhere else. 
possibly somewhere, I would not want to say infinite, but somewhere deep, as in a well where the bottom cannot be found. Somewhere purple? So can we open it now? I would advise being prepared for the worst. Searches the sands and Inan based on your angle. Arlington over in the corner takes a pinch of salt out of his belt pouch and dribbles it in front of his face so it falls in front of him like a shimmering curtain. What are you doing, my friend? Protection. From what? Who knows? Based on the last book that Alari dealt with, she's going to hold out her hand and a purple dagger is going to appear in her hand and she's going to have it prepared and glance mm-hmm. around yeah. and make sure that everybody is ready. And unless somebody tells her not to this time, she's going to open the book. Candy will step back and kind of grip his great sword baseball swing stance and it begins to glimmer with green flames. Tess, in contrast, steps to Alari's elbow, ready to protect her. Alari, as you reach down to touch the book, the leather, it is smooth with age, and you can feel the rustle of aged paper uh, within the book as you turn it. As you lift the cover, all of you in the room begin to get very keenly aware that a purple mist or fog is beginning to emanate from the floor. Candy, it is the shade that your mind keyed in on as you were communing with the book. And the room slowly begins to fill, but not in a way that is oppressive or poisonous, but you are also keenly aware that as the room begins to fill, that you are no longer in the room. The room itself has drifted away, um, and you are now enveloped in this cold mist fog that has filled the room. You are not sure where your compatriots are anymore. Uh, You feel both alone, but you're not sure sort of which way is up. You still feel like your feet are on solid ground, but you are definitely off kilter as the world around you changes. This remarks, oh, what a surprise. Braces herself. The next thing you see is that a early morning sun is beginning to peek through the fog as it melts away. And you find yourself, the six of you, around a well in what looks like a rundown, beaten village. There are broken rock walls. There are dilapidated buildings. There is overgrown pathways with grass and moss sort of coating everything, but it is not a village that any of you are familiar with. And you see that you are all sort of gathered around a actual stone well, which is nondescript for the most part, save for another trifolded piece of paper with a red sash on it on the wall of the well. It is very early in the morning, probably just at sunrise. S says, I think that's a hint. Inan would like to look at Alarai and say, 
Alri, I don't believe that was just a book. Candy will look at him and go, your assessment is accurate. Tavaris is going to look at Cass and say, I don't know if this is better or worse than the mansion. Cass is going to look back and say, do you want to open the note or shall I? I'll get it. And Kavarx will go grab the note. As you peel open the sash that's binding the note, you see a map. It's a map. Not a very good one either. No, I agree. And then Kavarx will show it to everyone here. Since we're in this together, anyone have any ideas? That says, looking meaningly at Kilvarax, where's the you are here? That would be helpful, would it not? It does seem to have directions. Follow the trail to the hand and horn past Three Tree Hill over River Warren. To the worm's mark in the foggy moors west of there, the treasure's yours. I would assume that that means that we are at which way? Alari is actually going to look around in that building that's down in the left-hand corner, because there looks like an arrow pointing at that picture. Mm -hmm. Is there a church-like structure that I can see in the landscape? No, not, not that you can see in the landscape. However, looking through the village, so again, you kind of have this road sort of in front of you, Again, kind of heading this direction. Uh, but if you continue looking past the village, maybe a couple hours away, you see a large pointed spire and next to it, another kind of vertical structure with five smaller spires on top of it. And the road seems to head that direction. Hmm. Anon would like to investigate the well filled water skin if the uh, water is drinkable. Sure, absolutely. So you lower the bucket down, the the hinges creak with age uh, as if this has not been used in some time. You are able to pull up some water. There's not much water in there and it definitely has sort of an odor to it as if the well has not been tended to in some time. There is some sort of wild animal in the brush 30 feet away from you. Doesn't seem particularly violent, but what is it and what is it doing? It appears to be watching us, but I am unable to get a good, clear look of it. But it, it must be some type of indigenous predator. You're not quite sure what the animal is. It seems to be a mix of a bunch of different kinds of animals. Um, and as it's looking at you, it doesn't seem to be looking at you with fear or with trepidation, but more like in a territorial sort of, if you get any closer, we're going to rumble. But it's also keeping its distance from you and the rest of the party. Candy, the snake that you took off your neck, it begins slithering off and sort of investigating. I'm asking yep. it to follow the road where it says this way, because I'm assuming mm -hmm. that on this map, we are at which way? It will slither off to begin investigating. As you are looking through the grass, there's a ring half concealed in the dirt at your feet. It has sort of an antique bronzy finish and a sigil of a raven on it. And as you look at it, you hear in your head that it wants to be picked up and it wants to be put on. You are 
charmed by the ring and compelled to put it on. This is an interesting bauble, and I will pick it up and slip it on. Fabulous. You are now wearing the raven's ring. Kilvarex, you suddenly start to feel ill. Like something is something is wrong. You you don't feel well. Um, describe your symptoms. All the purple and the, the gut-wrenching movement has made me so that everything is dizzy, kind of spinning around, going down to a point of light and then opening back up and just kind of to the point where all of a sudden throws up. And this is, this is Dragonborn. So it's, it's pretty raunchy. It's pretty raunchy. <laughs> Smoking and steaming. Yeah. Uh, Kilvarex has just thrown up uh, into the, into the well, at least trying to go ahead and get it in there. I assume, please describe how you all respond to the large Dragonborn retching all over the place. Ellery is just going to take three steps back because she was right next to him. I feel fortunate that my skin was already full. Gus is concerned and moves to his elbow and is looking curiously at the smoking vomit. I believe the water is bad. And we'll just watch to make sure that nothing else is going to be coming up or happening. Candy picked up a ring and slipped it on. And you saw him do it, and you are jealous of the fact that you don't have the ring. You realize that this compulsion is coming from the ring somehow and are able to hold off taking action to get the ring from him, but you are now very, very suspect of the ring. Searches the sands will hold up his right hand with the ring on it and say, Magical rings can be both a curse and a blessing. You must be more careful with them. Candy, when Searches the Sands says that, you realize what you did just now. Would you like to take the ring off? It would be a very rare ring that could control you that quickly, but it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Curious. Thank you for bringing that to my attention searches the sands and I'll slip the ring off and put it into a pouch. Okay. As you slip it off, you do periodically continue to hear it ask you to put it back on. It's not harmful in any way. It just likes you. Alari, you can hear drums in the distance coming from the direction where the road seems to be heading towards those odd mountain croppings. What do they signify to you? Alari has very limited experience, so she will automatically assume that perhaps there's a festival. And in fact, we'll, we'll say, do you guys hear that? Is there a festival? Well, you wouldn't know if there's a festival going on, but I think there's a festival going on. Now that Alari has called them out, you do hear faint drums in the distance. There's a lot of echo and a lot of distortion over the space between where you are and where they are. So it is somewhat tough to tell. Drums at this distance just sound like drums. Well, Kilvarix, after wiping the last of the stuff off of his mouth, will look at everyone and says, well, it doesn't seem like anyone's here and we need answers. So we go towards the drums, I say. Before um, we leave Kess off in the grass, kind of to the to the lower right of where you're standing, you see a stone with markings on them. Can you read them? And what do they say if you can? 
they are runes. And Kess knows many scripts, can read the runes. And they say, beware. And do you call this out to the rest of the party? I say, those drums might be more ominous, though I do agree we might as well move toward them as anything. And for some reason, there's a warning here. These markings say, beware. I was just going to ask what my familiar perceives as it begins moving down the road. He is moving down the road. They are moving towards the outcroppings. The road seems like a normal road that has been not traveled a lot, but I mean, it doesn't seem like it's not like an ill repair or anything like that. It's just more a little overgrown more than anything else. He definitely says that there is activity, but it would be a couple of hours away for you. And based on the interpretation of the map, does it mm -hmm. seem to be that the this way marker is leading towards the hand and horn. Yes. I will call him back and let the others know we are in the which way. And if we follow this path, the hand and horn will be our next stop as the instructions indicate. And we're wasting time and Kilvark starts walking off. And Kess right. shrugs and says, let's go, and heads off. Begin walking down the road and leaving this dilapidated village. Actually, before we leave the village, Alarite mm -hmm. would like to look in a couple of the windows, because why would a village be abandoned? That doesn't make sense. Looking in one of the windows in, in one of the houses as you're walking by, you find some old piece of machinery. Something about it gives you the impression that it could be dangerous or cursed or, or something like that. W what is it? And why do you have that reaction? I'm actually going to say that Alaride doesn't recognize the machinery because she has very limited scope of machinery, but it looks to her like it's busted. I mean, she wouldn't recognize any of it, but she, it doesn't look like usable to her in any fashion. So following Kilvarex's lead, as he somewhat gruffly stops down the path, you guys leave the dilapidated village down the road. So you all take down heading down the road following Kilvarix's, again, somewhat gruff, embittered steps as he trudges through the low grass there. And as you are walking down the road, the drums that Alarai heard are definitely getting louder as you approach them. They are accompanied by some sort of music that goes along with them and laughing and celebration and everything like that, which definitely makes you sound like they are not battle drums. And you are all a little off-put by the fact that it's probably shortly after dawn. Uh, there seems to be some sort of a festival going on. Not particularly loud, but there's definitely some sort of jalility happening off the horizon. And as you draw near, you can see several horse-drawn style wagons. They are uh, barrel-shaped, covered in bright fabrics, silks, and dyed cotton, and, and such like that. And there are probably 
10 or 15 people gathered around a fireplace beginning to, it's probably just after breakfast, where they are all loudly telling stories and laughing. The, the women among them are wearing flowing dresses with rich embroidery, and the men are wearing trousers and and shirts and colorful hats and and things like that they seem to be enjoying themselves rather uh, exuberantly as you walk up uh, and as they see have a you, violin so you see there is someone playing kind of a concertina type instrument and there is a fiddler among them also and as they see you near probably from about 50 to 100 feet away one of them calls out to you says hail traveler welcome can we get you anything? Whatever we have is yours. Yes, says, I like the music. Mm, as do we. Do you play? Maybe a little. We, uh, we have not seen you here before, but there are a great many people that we have not seen before. What brings you here? A book. Curious things, aren't they? Just kind of squint. I'm a little turned around. Where, where is here? That's the hand. And that's the horn. So clearly you are at the hand and horn. How long have and you been here? We have not been here for long and we are never any place for long. Surely we will not be here for much longer. Where will you go next? Mm, that's a good question. We could go that way. We could go to which way, but there's not much there. So we discovered. Mm. How long has it been like that? We haven't been here long, and it's been here since we've been here. How long have you been here? Not long. We were never any place for long. A month? Mm. Time is always strange when you're someplace where you don't know where you are. To what region does this area belong? Isn't that a fabulous question? Think of it less of a region and more of a realm. I will turn and look at Kilvarix and just kind of nod. I asked the traveler, how did you get here? We travel. We travel many places. Mostly by wagon. What news of the surrounding area? Anything we should be aware of on our travels? We tend to uh, bypass the hand and horn and continue on our way. To which direction do you go? I don't know. Which way would you advise? Well, do you look to leave or do you wish to stay? There are many places have, to go if you wish to stay, and only one way to go if you wish to leave. Have you been to Three Tree Hill? Mm, Three Tree Hill. Small, dangerous place. Sticks a finger towards Kess's direction. Watch the little ones. Kess looks back and says, thanks for the tip. Little what? Mm. I think he means you. I'm more interested in this stay or leave thing. What, what do you mean, stay or leave? Well, you are in a place that you may choose to stay, or you are in a place that you may choose to leave. Perhaps both. And what choice do you make? Ooh, we travel. We always leave. We never stay. How do you plan and to leave? We will get in our wagons, and we will go. Which way? Not to which way. We've already been there. Kest raises an eyebrow and says, you know what I meant. Hmm. Indeed. But you do not understand what I meant. 
Probably. like the beings of my realm. They just follow the winds of the astral sea. We go where the road takes us. We do not try to tell the road where we want to go. Did you not say there was only one way to leave? Hmm. There's only one way for you to leave. There are many ways for us to leave. But we don't get to go where we want. Apparently, neither do we. Depends on where you want to go. If you don't want to go where you want to go, then you don't have to go that way. How do we leave? By going the way you need to go to find the exit. And what way is that? Well, where do you want to go? Do you want to I'll, go from whence you came or from where you're going? I'll point to whoever has the map. Ah, a map clearly showing you which way you want to go. Not which way, the other way. Away from which way. There's this double-talking stuff. I I can't handle it anymore, and I'm going to stomp off heading down the road again. I understand him perfectly. I'm not sure what your concern is. Guess trails Kilvarak saying... Watch out for the little ones with a wry grin. The little ones can watch out for themselves. Yeah, just outside the, the Hunt Cave is where Kelvaris is going to be impatiently waiting for them to continue on. What do you celebrate? We celebrate that we are not traveling. And when we are traveling, we are traveling because we are not celebrating. What, what is better to celebrate than the fact the sun came up and that breakfast was hot? What type of folk are these? Do they look like they're humans or do they look like something mm. else? They look like they're human. And they also don't look like any humans necessarily that you've met before. There's definitely something about them that's different, but they have all the trappings of an air quote regular human. Alaray is going to give the wagons a good look over. They are full of crates and barrels and things like that. For the 15 of them, there are probably five wagons or so. And they very much seem like the wagons that would belong to a nomadic people. Alari is going to kind of walk away at that point. Help yourself. Anything we have is yours. Now she's going to stop and turn back and give the speaker a look and say, I've, I've never known fair folk to give away anything for free. I did not say it was free. Some things have a cost. You do not give answers, though. Just questions mm. and riddles. Mm. As we said, not everything is free. Some things cost money. I think any answers you have would cost too much based off we know how to get out, mostly. Most things that are worth knowing cost more than money. As the bantering is going back and forth, one of the women will walk over to where you all are having this conversation. I apologize for my husband. Sometimes he takes things to be a little bit more dramatic than they must be. Uh, do you know where you are headed? I'll point to Kilvarix. Please, my tall friend, come join us. Let us... Let us try to answer some of your questions so that you may be on your way in safety. Kilvarks is going to hold Fine. And stomp back over. And she will examine the map. Said, well, surely this map is pointing here. And she will point to the structure at the lower left-hand side. This is a dangerous journey. As my husband said, there is a beast on Three Tree Hill that travels in the darkness 
and is very dangerous. Watch for him. What nature of beast? He is a great evil winged beast. If you are not careful and you are not observant, your livestock may soon be in his dread claws. Mm. Yet we have no livestock. It may take your dark-skinned friend out of spite then. If it's hungry, it may just decide that she's good enough. It would soon develop a case of fatal indigestion. You say this is from the hill and not the scorch of the red worm? The scorch of the red worm is just poetic. Long ago, the stories say there was a red dragon who lived there who so craved everything in his capacity that he became a volcano to keep people away. Fear not. Surely it's the simple things that are most dangerous sometimes. Hmm? And sometimes the most dangerous named things are the most dangerous. Huh. A fair observation, my feline friend. However, I will give you this warning also. If you are indeed headed to the building, know it is a cursed place. Be wary of your journey. However, it seems as if the map is saying that that is where you need to go. Seems like this whole place is cursed. Gus turns to Kovarex and says, you know, I learned more from that rock by the well. My red dragon friend, you are not wrong. Trust me, as one who travels between the realms and has seen a variety of curses, this place is just as cursed as the next and just as cursed as the one before. But cursed. And with the double speak, quit it! I believe that that will be our final parting word. May the winds of fate carry you safely. If there is nothing further that we can provide you on your journey, then we wish you fair winds and safe travels. I believe that we are marching into danger. We should take all necessary precautions. Then why would we march? We still have to get there. If you keep a reasonable pace, the chalet that you are going to is within a day's journey. You should reach there by nightfall, unless disaster strikes. I'll let the snake slither off towards Three Tree Hill and let me know what it encounters, if anything. Before you go, perhaps something to go ahead and aid you on your journey. She goes to one of the caravan-type wagons, opens a chest and begins rifling through it, and comes back with, with a ring with a bright red stone on it here's a gift it may help you further in negotiating your way home sometimes the road home is a toll road and sometimes negotiating your passage is necessary Ah, finally some answers thank you that does remind me and i will withdraw this signet ring with the raven on it Where did you get Uh, that? In the dirt by the well. She plucks the ring from your hand. Isn't that gorgeous? And she slips it on her finger. A fabulous gift in exchange for one of ours. Thank you. I did not say that it was a gift. You presume too much. And yet the ring is ours. Fabulous. 
you will have good fortune for this exchange of goods. And what did they give us? It is kind of a dark iron banded ring with a bright red stone on it. Is anybody choosing to put it on? Kilvarix is going to look at it and say, if you give me a minute, I can see if it's valuable or not. I'm going to take a minute to ritually cast detect magic to see if it is magical. Alarite is going to scan the tree line because we seem to be in a meadow when we've been gathered and they were making lots of noise. Yeah, you, you look around. Whatever noise they're making is scaring anything away. Nothing untoward in the tree line or anything like that. Kilvarix, actually ritual concludes and the ring is indeed magical. It's abjuration, and it requires attunement, but you also feel like it has it has kind of a persuasive quality, right? It's like it can kind of absorb information and absorb energies and things like that. The other ring, the ring that the woman is now wearing, the magic that it crackles with is kind of the opposite, right? It's like it is repelling. Almost like when you take two magnets and put them together, right? Uh, the other one repels it. And it, is, it crackles with kind of a dark and sinister energy to it where the ring of absorption does not. I will look at Candy and say, my yellow friend, this is a better deal. And hand the ring to him. I will slip it into my pouch. I will trust your words. I will look at the, the woman and say, a forced trade is still not a fair trade. Perhaps. My friend, I believe you made out better than you will know on this deal. I'll nod at Kilvarix. Anything further that we can do before you continue your trip? If you could spare some food or some snacks, I'm feeling a little peckish. Food and snacks abound. We would be happy to share what we have. And she claps her hands and several teenaged children bring bowls of eggs and bacon and and fine bread and things like that things that they don't seem to have the facility to make necessarily right so like there's no like bread oven here the bread still seems fresh the virus is going to pick some of the stuff that could travel for a day or two and you know Yep. Pull on some, but stuff most of it in his pack. Yep. They have like some salted meat and some like canteens of fresh water and things like that. Yep. Are people taking the time to sit down and eat, or are you just picking stuff that travels and just to hit on the road? I am picking stuff that travels to hit on the road, but snacking on it to make sure it tastes good before putting it in the pack. Tastes fine for trail rations. Yep. So having stuffed your packs or not, as the case may be, you resume your journey along the path. You notice that the path curves eastward where before you had been heading more westward and south, kind of curves directly east as if you are somewhat backtracking further south of where you came from, uh, but sort of moving in a zigzag type pattern. And you are traveling through a dense forest. There is... Ample game if there is any hunting or anything to be done. But with the rations that you received from from the caravan, they are filling and healthy. And so none of you are particularly hungry. Searches the sands. I know you didn't take any of the rations. Uh, do you have trail rations of your own that you're keeping? I have some simple trail rations that I will be eating during this time. And I will make sure that my familiar is about 75 to 80 feet in front of us so that i'm Mm -hmm. still within telepathic range of it 
it's very much seeing kind of the same thing that you're seeing now, right? The road is a little overgrown, but not bad. Otherwise seems in mostly good repair. It seems like it's not used frequently, but it is not unused either. Your telepathic connection with your familiar is reporting very much the same thing. And eventually as you're moving through the forest, he will note to you that there is a large hill sort of rising on the left-hand side that is, for the most part, bereft of trees. And you've been seeing forest now for, you know, about an hour. And so all of a sudden seeing this hill face that is bereft of trees is curious to him, especially knowing that you're looking for a place called Three Tree Hill. Um, And he will report eventually, as he can see the peak of the hill, eventually that there do seem to be three large oak trees at the top. As we're walking away from the caravan, Kilvarix, after we're out of sight of the caravan, would have pulled to the side and stopped for everyone and says, I think we need to come to an agreement to get out of here. We seem to be working as individuals and we need to become a teammate. I am not good at this sort of thing. No one here seems to be taking the lead, however. I, I uh, I miss Simeon for some reasons. I am a humble cleric of Io, and uh, sometimes impatient, as you may have noticed. I believe teamwork will be the only thing that will get us out of here. I do not disagree with this one's sentiment. If it is an approach that we desire, militarily, it would be best to have scouts and observant people up front to report back. Ranged combatants to the rear or at least to the middle, where they can be effectively deployed once combat ensues. I wish to be at the front. Alarai shrugs and moves towards the front. Kess turns to Kovarax and says, well, as you know, I do both. Yes, yes you do. What about our naturally armored friend here? And the fuzzy one. Alarai looks up. I am quick and agile, so the front would be great for me, but I also tend to not like to get up close and personal in case of danger. I smile at the tabaxi and kind of pat my greatsword. So how do you assemble yourselves in marching order on the road? Well, Kilvarix will like to be at the back. He'll have his spear out in one hand and a shield in the other if we're approaching the mountain or the Three Tree Hill because there's something there. And uh, wait for the other ones to figure out who's going to lead this group. Alarai, you have progressed to the front, yet you do not appear to be a front-line combatant. Is this your perceptive nature taking hold? Are you our scout? I will be in the front. Appearances can be deceiving. Perhaps their advantage might lead to some advantages. And Search of the Sands will climb to the nearest tree and climb up with his cat-like reflexes. Put you in the tree. I should also mention that the road ahead of us is much the same as that behind. I have eyes more so than just on my face. So as you're moving through this forest, 
Search of the Sands, are you continuing to kind of stay in the trees and kind of moving from tree to tree, or are you merely scaling one to get a better look at what might be ahead of you? Uh, I will stay in the trees, kind of hopping from branch to branch. Um, so you are all aware, like now that you know that he's there and you know what it is, you can hear him kind of jumping from branch to branch. And you can also tell that Kest in particular, you know what someone who is skilled at silent movement sounds like, right? And so while you all know that he is there and can hear him because you know he is there, you can also tell that he's he's quite stealthily being able to move through these trees. Not unlike normal skill for a tabaxi uh, with their with a very deft nature. Once you've settled the marching order, again, Candy, your familiar, begins to report that the tree line itself is dying down and that this large rocky outcropping is before you. And that while the trees themselves are falling away, that there do seem to be three prominent oak trees at the top of the hill. Searches the sands as you're kind of skillfully going through the trees and training yourself kind of on the peak there to determine what's going on. You step on a branch that is not strong enough to support you and you, you fall out of the tree. You are luckily able to stop yourself from taking damage as you fall, but you have lost your, uh, your position in the trees themselves. And you are at the edge of the tree line and so now down at ground level with everybody else. Candy, your familiar reports, nothing unusual. We approach the area we were warned of. Extra vigilance would be prudent. There is definitely a screech from the top of the hill. Kilvarix, you definitely recognize it as draconic in nature. It's not a typical sort of draconic set. Like it's not like a red dragon or something like that, uh, but it is definitely some sort of dragon variant. So yeah. it's a worm. I hear that. Having uh, heard that, Alarai is going to look down at the ground for worms <laughs> to see why they're so. Ex- why is it so interesting to have to point out the worms? And then off to your left, you hear a heavy land on one of the cliff faces off to your left and rocks sort of tumbling down the hill and a large bronze skinned wyvern on its hind legs uh, kind of glowers off the hill and roars loudly alara looks up and goes oh worm candy the initiative belongs to you your actions is the scale accurate so it's about 60 feet away from me it is indeed I will move up 20 feet from it, or 20 feet towards it, so it's 40 feet away from me, and I will cast Mind Sliver. Okay. It needs to make a DC 14 intelligence save, please. He will fail. He will take four points of psychic damage, and his next saving throw, uh, he has to subtract a D4 from it. When that happens, I will have you roll the d4 for me, please. Sure. But we'll do that when that happens again. Kess. Kess uh, is going to sling the longbow off her back, Mm -hmm. notch an arrow, um, and in one swift movement, shoot at the wyvern. Okay. Excellent. And that is a uh, a nat 20, 27 to hit. Ooh. 
Fair. Okay, so so start at max damage for that, and then roll your damage dice, please. Twenty-five damage, and then on top of that, can I add? I can say shot an extra damage, extra one d four damage. Sure. So that would be another four. So twenty-nine damage. The arrow plunges into uh, his, the wyvern's right shoulder area, uh, and the wyvern screams uh, loudly with that shot. Uh, well done. I'd like to move up to uh, about halfway to the wyvern. There's that sort of rocky outcrop in the landscape, and I want to crouch behind that so that I have okay. a place to shoot again. Next is Anon. How far away am I from the uh, creature? 60 feet. I'm going to go ahead and uh, move up towards Chess, uh, and okay. then I will uh, attempt to cast uh, Frostbite. All right, so he just gets a constitution saving throw? Yeah, and then on a failed, cell, uh, failed throw, he'll take a 1d6 hold and then a disadvantage on his next, next attack. Fabulous. Okay. He will so. subtract one from that saving throw. Thank you. Chess turns uh, and grins at you, Inan. Uh, so minus the one uh, is a 15. So what's your spell save, DC? 13. Fabulous. So he will successfully save. So you cast a, a shoot of wind at him. Um, he is he starts flapping his wings and beats whatever uh, snowballs you are you are throwing at him. Um, Alari. Alari is also going to run up a little bit closer. Okay, so kind of like hopping up on that little rocky outcropping. That'll work. Sure. She's going to take out the hand crossbow and mm-hmm. shoot. The shootout, the, the the hand crossbow. That is a 25 to hit and five damage. And as a bonus action, she's going to drop one of her hands from the crossbow. And as a free, you know, free hand, she's going to create a psionic blade and throw that as well. That's a nine to hit. That will, mi- that will miss. Uh, you throw it and it, it flies over his head and, and that's misses my it. turn. Okay. Uh, searches the sands. All right, I'm going to start off by moving west uh, 30 feet. All right, and then I'm going to take my ring and I'm going to rake it across the chains on my other forearm, which then unravel into the form of a golden longbow. Okay. And then from the gem of my ring, I pull back a black arrow and shoot it at the Wervin, which is uh, now hexed. Excellent. Last but not least, Kilvarix. Kilvarix is going to move up. Uh, to the main group, probably behind Enon. And as he's doing so, he is holding his uh, symbol underneath his chest and building up a glow in his hand. And then when he gets into position, he's going to launch a guiding bolt at uh, the wyvern. Excellent. 19 to hit. That will hit. We'll take four dice, six damage, and then it will have uh, whoever is the next person to attack it will have advantage on their attack roll. Excellent. 15 radiant damage. So the the bolt of radiant light shoots out from your hand and hits him square in the chest. And again, he howls uh, loudly. Um, it is its turn. Uh, and so it will take to flight off the rock. Uh, from the air, it will strafe over, like just overhead. Alari, you will be the first. There is a claw attack coming at you. That is a 16 to hit. That hits. That hits. Uh, Take 13 points of damage. Kess, it is swinging its stinger at you. Uh, That is an 18. Oh, that's going to hit. That's going to hit. So first off, 
see. Uh, that's only six points of damage as the stinger embeds itself in your chest. But I also need you to make a constitution save, please. I know it. And that is a four. No, you will fail the constitution save. I know. Take 27 points of poison damage. Ugh. All right. That's not good. Do you fall? I do. As it stings you um, and you collapse, the wyvern will land uh, and try to bite at you. This is really not good news, people. That's a 23. I believe that um, hit. You are now in the wyvern's mouth. Alari, Anon, and Kilvarex. He is about to take flight again, so the three of you will get attacks of opportunity on him on the way by. Just to replay, he, he flew down, swiped at Alari, stung Kess, who fell, so he landed, has snatched her in his mouth, and is looking now to go ahead and take flight. So please, the three of you, will go just top to bottom here. Um, Alari, roll an attack. That with that attack roll, I will throw one of my... I will create and throw another dagger. That's fine. Yep. And that is six damage. Um, I'm going to see if I can cast uh, Lightning Lord Cantrip at him. Uh, strength saving throw. Uh, a 14 for my save. Uh, you did. And Kilvarix. Kilvarix is going to throw his spear, trying to get somewhere in the head to try to get him to drop uh, Kess. Yep. He gets a dirty 20. Okay, so that will hit. Uh, nine total damage. Nine total. So I'm going to give him a constitution save against your damage to see if he drops Kess. Uh, he did not. Uh, he will take his remaining movement. Uh, he'll take half of his remaining movement, assuming he has to get airborne again. Top of the round. How far off of the ground is he? Um, so he was on the ground. That's a cliff face that he's starting to fly up. Um, so he's maybe... Five or ten feet above the ground, not far. Far enough that if you run up to him, he would be within melee range. So I will move up. I think 30 feet would put me right on that cropping square. And there's just one of him, so green flame blade won't help. So I will unlimber and swipe with my greatsword, which is going to be a 22 to hit. That will hit. And wow. Six slashing damage. Okay. Kess, you are currently at zero hit points. Your saving throw, please. Three. Inan. I'm going to go ahead and move towards the worm. Uh, that's an eight. That will not hit. You will miss it. All right. I'm going to run up 30 feet, which is my distance, and put away the crossbow Let's and see, pull out see. one of my daggers and creating another one in the other hand. So that's a 21 to hit for the regular dagger. That's a hit. And that's six damage. And that's 21 to hit for my psychic blade. And that's five damage. And I'm going to scream, put down my friend, bastard. Mm. Okay. Searches the sands. All right. I'm going to run kind of straight north up 30 feet. All right. And then I will pull back an arrow on my longbow and take a shot. Okay. That is only a 13 to hit. That will not hit. Okay, and Kilvarix. Kilvarix is going to grab his amulet 
and you can hear him muttering to his god Io saying, not today, not for her, and casts healing word as a bonus action saying, be well, Cass. And then also is going to open his mouth and say, cousin, this is for you, and breathe fire into his hand, pull back and throw his firebolt right at him. Okay, what is the range on healing word, first of all? Uh, healing word is 60 feet. So, Kess, you awake in the dragon's mouth. And then the bolt? Our bolt is probably going to miss. 11? Uh, will not hit. Okay, it is the dragon's turn. The first thing that he's going to do is swing his tail at Candy, being the one that hit him for the most damage this last time around. That is a 15 to hit. I will arcane <laughs> deflect that, which means that I use my reaction to add mm-hmm. two to my armor class. Okay. Uh, which so... makes my armor class 17. Oof. Okay. All right. So he swings his stinger at you um, and he misses. Otherwise, he will take his movement. And I will definitely like a piece of that opportunity attack. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep, absolutely. So uh, all three of you, Alarai, uh, Candy, and Anon, will all get attacks of opportunity on him. So let's go in that order again. Alarai? Does, does an opportunity attack also create a sneak attack if he's engaged with somebody else? I think should, yeah. Okay, good, because I just remembered that I wasn't doing it again. Yep. That's a nine, so I guess I don't get anything. No, you will not hit. Candy? I got a 17 to hit for seven slashing damage. That should hit. It does. For seven, you said? Seven, yes. I'm going to use uh, Tides of Chaos to try to get advantage on my attack roll. And I'm going to go ahead and attack with my uh, Spear of Frost. So first of all, when you when you cast uh, Agent of Chaos, Anon goes invisible. You don't realize that you've gone invisible, but nobody else can see him. Throw your spear. I'll go with Stab uh, with uh, the advantage roll 16. 16 will hit him. Two pierced and one cold damage. Two pierced and one cold. Okay. Uh, you you stab him as he's leaving, but the, it's not quite square. You kind of just nick his rear leg as it's way by. Um, you can tell it's not a solid hit, uh, and he flies off. Kess, uh, he is going to use his bite attack on you in his turn. Uh, you are in his mouth, so he will do so at advantage. Oh, and I only rolled a 12. Thankfully, I rolled it at advantage because one of them was a negative, was a natural one. So a 12, though. Which does not hit. I wouldn't imagine as much. Nope. Okay. Um, so you can tell that he's trying to chomp down on you. Um, but since you are, you're real spindly and he can't actually get a good bite on you. All right. Okay. So, so I know that I had hit it with my sword attack. Uh, did. did it? It didn't drop her. It didn't feel threatened enough. It, it did not feel threatened enough. Give me a perception check, please. Nineteen. <laughs> uh, it's fleeing. Okay. You, you you know you know what a fleeing enemy looks like. How far off is it? It's about eighty feet away. Okay. So because I did the arcane deflection, I can only cast a cantrip this round for spells. You are currently uh, at the base of that cliff, so you're in difficult terrain, so your movement will be halved. All right, if I can get to within 60 feet of it, so I, can I move 20 feet closer to it somehow? What's your, what's your movement? 30. 
30. So you can only go 15 feet closer. If I were to loop out and around Alarai and go up the trail instead of climbing up the cliff face, would that be easier? Maybe, but you're, if you go right there, you are within 55 feet of it, so. Okay, so I will then let loose with a mind sliver once mm -hmm. again. All right. So range of 60 feet, it needs to make an intelligence saving throw of DC 14, please. Okay. He succeeds. Kess, you are in the dragon's mouth. And I'm pissed. So <laughs> I am going to, well, I'm holding the crossbow in one hand, which thus counts as a kensei weapon. Um, so I'm going to get an agile parry because I'm about to um, knife hand it in the eye. Uh, you'll do so at disadvantage. Cool. Six damage. And I gain a plus two to AC, so my AC is now 19 until my next turn. Although Excellent. I think it's about to die because I'm going to spend a key point to take Flurry of Blows. Okay. And um, hit it twice more. Okay. So I'll roll, roll those separately because I'm rolling two dice yep. each time. So the first one probably doesn't hit. That's a nine. It does not hit. And the second one is a uh, 12. Not a hit. Okay, so I lost a key point, but I had showed a lot of attitude. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you're tenderizing yourself. Raining down you. blows. Yeah. Yep. Those, those last uh, two were punches. All right. All right. I'm going to dash up the trail and around to the right. And that is a 16 to hit. That will hit. Awesome. That's 11 damage. Describe how your psychic dagger kills the wyvern. I am going to take very quick but careful aim and it's going, all of a sudden Kess just sees this purple hilt glowing, sticking out of its eye before it just and vanishes. Kess, make a strength save to try to force your way out of its mouth because it's kind of nasty right now. It's nasty but I'm not feeling very strong. That would be a four. Okay, so you're somewhat trapped I'm in its mouth right now. Yeah. Going to move up as quickly as I can to try to extricate Kess. I, I have a strength of 16. Is everybody else kind of moving up there? Is that. Alarai is definitely moving that direction. Kilvarix will trot up there once he sees that it has fallen. Can Kess attempt again because she's good at leverage with her longbow? Uh, especially with everybody else helping around now. Yeah, like that's... Candy, why don't you aid Kess in trying to pry open her mouth? So both of you roll and we'll take the higher of the two. That would be 19 for me. I got a 20 for my strength check. Rock on. 22 nice. if it's athletics. Yep, cool. With the natural 20, Candy basically rips the jaw off the maw of the beast. Thank you. You fight well. Excellent. Kess makes a small bow and collapses. <laughs> Yeah, she is very badly injured. Yeah, it looks like a flesh wound to me. So Parks is going to look her over using his medicine skill to see if she's still poisoned or what's going on. Give a medicine check, please. 15 total. Yeah, she is still poisoned for sure. The, um, the wound, first of all, she has several wounds having been carried in the dragon's mouth, but the stinger wound itself seems absolutely caustic. Like it's, it's definitely very strong poison at that. Kilvarix, you are the medic of this group. I will grab my uh, multicolored disc under my thing, put my hand over, and start chanting to Io. And as the glow will hopefully suck the poison out as I cast Lesser Restoration on her. Okay. 
and it should be blinded death and paralyzed for poison. It uh, heals one condition. Okay, cool. So Kess, you are no longer poisoned. I'm still feeling a little shaky. Seven hit points here. Kess is very badly injured. She grins and says, I think I like wyverns better than werewolves, though. Does the wyvern appear to have been flying towards its lair? Is that where this is? How much experience with wyvern lairs does Candy have? Uh, I mean, it's a bestial intelligence. I would look for matted down areas, any trinkets, skeletons. It certainly seems like it is bedding here. Give me an investigation check. I'd also like to join in that because he beat me to it. Yep, fair enough. And I would like to try to take a survival check to see if I recognize any other signs. Oh, man. Uh, sure, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I uh, achieved a nine. A nine. <clears throat> Alarai, uh, why don't you roll your investigation, please? A, a natural 20. Natural 20. Well done. So, yes, it seems like the wyvern has been bedding up here at the top of the hill. It is strewn with the bones of small folk and boars and any sort of medium-sized game that it could get its hand on. Alari, I need you to give me a d6 roll, please. That's a four. A four. One, two, three, four. In the pile of bones, you see a glint. The sun hits off of a green gem within the pile of bones. And when you go over to investigate it, there is a short sword in there with an emerald in the hilt. Well, I'm going to pull that out. Which is a nice knife. It's just nice, pretty, or does it look? Give me an arcana check. That's a 13, one, three. So you can't tell if it's magical because you don't have the ability to do so. However, knowing that magical items tend to be more ceremonial looking sometimes than regular ones and tend to be of good craftsmanship, this would be the type of sword that could be magical. Okay. It's not like a rusty old dagger. So waiting for a a more opportune moment to talk to Candy, I will have put it in my belt. So you stuff the short sword in your belt. And I'm assuming my nine, I didn't find anything interesting or of note. Nope. Correct. Her natural 20 found the only thing of interest. So there's no shot. So Vorax is going to try to bandage up, cast the best he can without wasting the spell slot. Do you wish to take some time, Cass? I'm not feeling that sparky right now, for sure. May I suggest we take a short rest? If it would be prudent, then yes, we can, I suppose. Uh, It is probably close to noontime at this point. So, you know, knowing that you would expect to reach the end of your path around nightfall, you think you could probably spare an hour or two for a short rest. I mean, we can't be in any place safer. Everything around here thinks that there's a wyvern up here. And we have an excellent vantage point for defense. How long would you like to rest for? I'm fine with just taking like a regular short rest if everyone else is. I'm fine with just one. Just one? Okay. Yep. So casts that will allow you to regain one hit point worth of health points. And a key point. But who's counting? So during a short rest, I am going to cast Identify on the ring. 
Okay. And if Elori wants me to, I will do so also on the short sword. Yes, please and thank you. Cool. So let's start with the ring. The ring is a an adept level ring of absorption. You would gain proficiency on persuasion checks. And if you take acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder damage, you can choose to take no damage instead. You can only use that once per long rest, though. And then the sword is a short sword of luck. You have a plus one bonus to attack and damage rolls. And while carrying the short sword, you can call on its luck as a free action, so no bonus action or anything required, to re-roll one attack roll, ability check, or saving throw. You must use the second roll. And again, that's once per day. Once per long rest. Kalvarx is going to try to get his spear back. You can recover that. I wanted to roll some hit dive to get some hit points back. Yep. So I have just done that. Okay. And I have regained 15. If I'm already proficient in persuasion, does the ring do anything else? If you are already proficient in the skill, your proficiency bonus is doubled. Anything else during your short rest? No, Kavaris is just going to try to make sure that Kess is all right and then kind of see what everyone else is doing, if anyone wants to talk or anything, but... Kess is feeling a lot better thanks to Kilvarax's ministrations. We are back and we have just finished a short rest to help help Kess regain some of her hit points after dispatching the Wyvern at the top of Three Tree Hill. Any further action before continuing on down the road? I climb to the highest point I can on this uh, hill and take a seal of what I can see. Mm, fabulous. Give me, please, a perception check. 19. So off to the south of where you are, you can see a smoldering mountaintop, which you would assume is that red worm peak, which is mentioned on the map. You can also see a, a large river that traverses down kind of to your east and then joins with another river that uh, that comes in from the west and then kind of continues south from there. You can see them. And then far off in the distance, you can see a shadowy, evil-looking, small castle. Towards the end of our short rest, I, mean, I will have the snake begin moving out in the direction towards the wood bridge mm-hmm. and staying about 75 to 85 feet uh, ahead of us. Yep. Searching from where you are, you're guessing that the wood bridge is, is only an hour or two away. So again, it's early afternoon at this point. You rested for an hour or so. Uh, and um, it, the wood bridge itself is maybe uh, at the pace that you guys have been keeping is maybe an hour or so away. So you'll get there kind of early afternoon. So the snake will definitely, again, sort of keep an eye out for you. He confirms that there is indeed a, a river as you get close to it does not seem anything particularly alarming about it. Although, Candy, give me, please, your familiar's perception roll again. A nine. It has a passive perception of 10 for what it matters, and it also has 10 feet of blind sight. 
Blindsight doesn't factor in, so that's fine. On the map, uh, it mm-hmm. mentions the foggy moors. Do I get any sense from the snake that we're approaching kind of a moorish area, or is it all still rel- relatively dry until the other side of the bridge? Uh, it's definitely it's dry until the other side of the bridge and searches again from from kind of where you are up at the top, kind of peering down there. Um, you definitely seem that the in near mythical relevance, the river seemed to be some sort of division where the side of the river that you are on currently is the placid, natural side of the river, short of the the village that you guys appeared in, which had seemed to be run down and abandoned. But that definitely on the other side of the river, the area takes a turn to a more sinister bent. And again, just to go ahead and make sure that that I understand your marching order, try to put you guys somewhat similar to how it was previously. But if you want to change your your order in any way, or if anybody is scouting ahead, I believe that Kilvarex was in the rear. Lorai was up front, That's scouting right. ahead a little bit, and then Candy was kind of in the next rank behind her along with, I thought it was Kess, but maybe it wasn't. Yep. That's that I think I've kind of tried to recreate and I know um, searches was more kind of staying in the, in the trees. Uh, you have exited the trees at this point towards the shore. So there's less tree follow for you to go ahead and, and cap into. In keeping with my general recklessness, could be, I be right behind Delorai? All for casual recklessness. I like it. Fabulous. And on the opposite shore, you can see evidence of maybe a camp or a shipwreck or something like that. But you see some like some barrels and some broken timbers um, and cloth and and stuff like that on the opposite shore. uh, Like if you crossed the bridge and went to the left, you would see it. So. So funnily enough, even though it's called Woodbridge, the bridge is made of stone, but you can see some evidence that it used to be more of a wooden covered bridge, but it's long since been replaced with a stone bridge, but it's, it's, it's labeled on the map as Woodbridge, which makes you think that the bridge itself might be aged. Noticing the sinister surrounding on the far side of the bridge, mm-hmm. Kess draws her longsword. Candy always has his great sword out. It's really hard to, you know, stow that. Take his shield off his back then when he sees everyone else getting ready. Ellery's going to pull her normal short sword from its scabbard. And and actually, she'd like to start off by looking over the edge and see if she can see underneath the bridge before she goes on it. Fabulous. Give me a perception check, please. (laughs) Natural 20. Fabulous. All right. Uh, (laughs) uh, So as you kind of creep down the shore to look under the bridge first thing is on one of the bushes kind of on the shoreline there you find a necklace hanging from one of the branches the necklace is gold in color and has an emerald raven in the charm on the necklace okay glints in the sun and catches your uh, catches your eye well i'll snag that off the branch because i didn't see the or or hear everything that went on with the other raven adorned Mm -hmm. piece of jewelry before indeed yep 
The other thing, before you carry on, the other thing is that as you kind of work your way down, you catch smell of an odor for sure. You have caught whiff of something foul. Unwashed teenager socks. So, Alara, you have definitely smelled something. All right. In a low voice, I'm going to say something is dead under there. Something is dead or just smells like it. Either or. And she's going to now stealth and creep down further to the shore. I will position myself in kind of a supporting position and ready a mind sliver. Alari, you you are now sure that you smell whatever it is and it's kind of coming from that little island in the middle there. And you hear soft splashing in the water and uh, sort of a humming or singing voice that is very gruff and very not musical at all. Alarai, you do recognize it. And it is, they are speaking in giant. And it is, it's singing this odd little song about where has my necklace gone? Where is the pretty green eye? That sort of thing. I'm going to creep back up the top. I need a stealth check from you, please. That's fine. Well, I'm going to try out the my new sword and roll again. Yep. Well, I will happily take this roll because I went from a six to a 20. Another natural 20. Fabulous. Okay. I disappear. Yeah. God damn. My kingdom for a 19. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, Alara, you are able to sneak successfully back up to the top there. So, I will explain to everybody what I found. I'm going to show them the necklace, explain what the guy is singing very quietly in hushed voices with the voice I heard is singing and hand it to candy and see if he wants to examine it, see if it's anything special or just a necklace with a stone and a raven on it. I'll look at it and give it an arcana check. I'm not going to take the 11 yep. minutes to cast identify. Nope. Fair enough. Uh, give me your arcana check, please. Oh, nice. That will be a 25. Yep. It certainly could be magical. It would be, again, it fits the mold. It is most likely an artifact like the ring before. What ring? That wasn't a good ring. I don't think we should sit here at the edge of the bridge and talk about it if there's someone singing underneath it. If it is okay, I will store this for later. And I will slip it into one of my pouches. Kess says, do you want me to cause a diversion? If it is under the bridge then why don't we just go over the bridge and avoid any sort of entanglement? It is on the center island. It's under the bridge, but we have to go over that island. My suspicion is that it lurks under the bridge to ambush unwary travelers. If I can distract it, then I believe we may be able to get across the bridge without Does bothering us. So the center island, does the bridge kind of rest on it or is it elevated above it? It rests on it. So it's like it's, it's like, a, like a bend almost, like the elbow there. Okay. It's like two bridges, yeah. Kilvaris Kil is going to put his hand on Cass's shoulder and say, I'll guide you on your journey and cast guidance on her. 
May you go with his blessing. May I suggest before you start any diversion, we try and stealthily get across the first part. So then you're not cut off. You can just run straight through the second part of the bridge. Kess turns to the rest of you and says, well, I was going to send some pretty little lights under there and see if it will follow them before engaging in any senseless heroics. Senseless heroics will be next, but why don't I just try distracting it with some little lights and see what happens? I don't see any harm in trying that. Okay, so do you want to send dancing lights under the bridge? I will cast dancing lights. What's the range on that? Pretty damn far. I will summon my mage hand. So it's 120 feet. Does the guidance help me in any way? I don't know. It'll help you for like attack rolls and skill checks and stuff like that. Awesome. Okay. So the range on them is 120 feet. So I'll cast them and I'll send them under the bridge and in a kind of a little humanoid shape. And there will be this little glowing humanoid dancing lights figure walking around under there. I'm not sure which side the giant or troll is on. So the dancing lights are kind of circulating to see if we can flush it out. In preparation for that, Alarai will put away her sword and take out her short bow. I will have the mage hand kind of move along with the dancing lights and kind of carrying like a rock or, or a flower or something. Kess, so if you're looking at the bridge, obviously there's a left-hand side and there's a right-hand side. Which side are you putting the lights on? Are they going like along the longer part of this middle island or more in the water to the north of where the bridge is? So are you talking about left and right or north? So as you're looking at the bridge, left would be north, right would be south. Okay. Where are you putting the lights? I'm starting them on the side near me in the shadow. Directly under where the bridge begins to hinge a little bit in the middle. So I'm starting them there, but then I'm going to have them circulate. So they'll go under one side and then they'll go under the other side until they find the beast. I think that this creature is somewhere under one side of the bridge. So they're kind of going around. Little creatures and staying as far as they can in shadowy spots. Yep. Okay. Um, And then, Candy, you said that your mage hand carrying a flower or something right (laughs) behind it is basically just floating right behind the dancing lights? If there's a way to make it be visible, I I would like to. Give give me an intelligence save and see if you can can push that. Save? Uh, Yeah, just because that's the, if you're proficient in it. Otherwise, it's just your ability modifier. I am proficient in it. That's why I was asking. Yep. Give you your proficiency bonus. That's fine. Nat 20. Rock on. There you go. Yep. So you have got a, a floating hand carrying uh, some of uh, flowers that you found on the shoreline. For a 26, if it matters. Nope. Natural 20 is good enough. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this little light made humanoid and a hand carrying flowers moves around the bridge and you hear uh, this deep guttural voice uh, shout something and Alarai in Giant, uh, you hear it say, who goes there? What's that? Yes, and Candy are together driving the lure. So we, rather than answering, we we cause it to continue moving in an enticing manner. Slowly enough that you might want to chase it, but far enough away that it's not grabbable. As you continue to move... 
you see a troll poke its head out from under the bridge and try to get at the lure. All right, so the lure is going to continue moving away from the bridge under these trees at the bottom, so where it's shadowy, to try to draw the troll away from the bridge as far as possible. So the lights are going to dance as far as they can still on, on land and pull the troll away, and Cass is going to turn and look at everyone with glee and say, let's book it, and run across the bridge. Okay. All right, Candy, the initiative is yours. If Kess is saying to book it, I believe was her her, her uh, uh, saying, uh, Candy will look at her and nod and book it. Okay. I will double move across the bridge and have my snake do the same once it gets yep. to the other side. What is Candy's movement, 30? 30. And its movement is 30 also. Right, that's why I it just stayed as far ahead of you as it normally is. Yep. Kess. Kess's normal movement is 40 feet. Kess okay. is going to spend a key point on Step of the Wind and go 80 feet. But then turn no. with the longsword in case needed. So that's the dash action as a bonus action. Mm -hmm. And I ready a reaction. Okay. So should the troll succeed in approaching me, I will attack with my longsword. Okay. And I'll decide on the motion when yep. on how I attack if that should happen. Sounds fabulous. Anon. How far away is the troll from Anon? 50 feet. I'm thinking Anon will tr attempt to cast sleep on the troll Ooh. from okay. second level. There's one spell slot. Um, that is... Yeah, so the additional 2d8 on top of the normal uh, 5d8, so 78 total for hit points. Okay. Okay, so roll, roll your 78. Um, for a total of 40 hit points worth. That's not sufficient hit points. And then I'll just move uh, my 30 feet across the bridge. Um, are you trying to be stealthy at all, or...? I'm a 500-pound turtle. That's a fair point. Uh, 30 feet will get you about there. I figured I'm wearing armor that makes me stealth at disadvantage. It's not happening. Yeah, Kilvar's over 250 pounds, and that's not yeah. what his armor is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a 500 pound turtle crossing against a stone bridge. I'm not going to be stealthy. <laughs> a lot of beef on the hoof in this party, yeah. Alari. Um, Alari is going to dash down the, you know, across the bridge. Yeah. And are you going to yeah. use your bonus action also for triple movement or well, just how, double? Um, can you move me to the square that's just to the left of candy and i will stay right there with my bow out just yep. just just to cover the rear bonus action hide yep searches the sands all right i am going to just drop on down to all fours and use my feline agility to be able to move i believe 120 feet so i can clear the bridge you can indeed do you want to move all 120 feet uh no i just want to get across Last but certainly not least, Kilvarix. Kilvarix is not going to want to leave Eon behind. So he's going to move up to him and kind of tap him on the shoulder and says, Don't worry, I've got your back. Awesome. So, Kess and Candy, do either of your spells require concentration? And are you keeping it up? Dancing Lights requires concentration. It does. Okay. Are you keeping it up at this point? Mage Hand does not. Mage Hand does not. I didn't think so. Yep. 
Are you keeping the lights up or are you dispelling it at this point now that you're, now that for the most part, you're across? I am keeping it up for now because the longer we can keep the troll distracted, the less we're going to have to fight. But I'm ready to drop it if I need to do something else. None of you are being particularly stealthy, right? Alright, hid. And you, last time you rolled stealth, you rolled it at advance. You rolled a natural twenty, so you're fine. So as you guys w- run by the troll, he definitely turns his head to acknowledge that someone's crossing by, right? And is only at half movement from where he is because of the terrain. Uh, so his movement is only thirty. And that is the extent of his turn. He's definitely trying to scrabble up the shore, like the rock, to try to get up to the bridge, uh, muttering naughty things under his troll breath. Okay. He is outside of 15 feet, correct? Just barely, yep. Okay. I will cast a mind sliver on him. Mm -hmm. So he will need an intelligence saving throw, DC 14, please. Not gonna go well for him. <laughs> I think it would. Oh, so he crit failed on his intelligence save. So your mind sliver will do double day. Okay. So roll twice, or just double what I roll. Double what you roll. Uh, I rolled a two, so he'll take four points of psychic damage. Okay. And oh. he has a minus d4 to his next saving throw. Rock on. In giant Alari, you hear him say. Oh, brain hurt. And then I will move 30 feet towards Kess. Alaray was going to be impressed that he knows his brain is in his head. Well, he didn't touch anything. He just said his brain hurt. He may have grabbed his butt for all we know. (laughs) Go ahead, Kess. So I'm going to drop the, um, the dancing lights. They've just disappeared. And cast darkness on the troll so he's now in a 15 foot sphere of undispellable darkness can't see anything that does require concentration and it's my action okay uh you said 15 foot 15 foot radius sphere he's just in darkness and that's centered on him himself so maybe it's in his hair or something Okay, so a 15-foot centered on him. And then I'm going to take my normal movement, feeling that I've done enough to protect the others. I'll book it some more, another 40 feet. Or to the other end of the bridge. All right, so Alari, the 15-foot partially covers you, just to illustrate where it is. Now Arasto can't see! Sun's getting awful low, big guy. Okay. Anon, it's your turn. The Sphere of Darkness is sort of impeding on the bridge here a little bit, so you'll have to walk outside of it. Yeah, I'll move my 30 feet uh, and skirt around the edge. And then I'll go ahead and use my dash action to move another 30. Uh, Candy, a huffing and puffing turtle has caught up with you. Nod at him. (laughs) Way to go, Enon. Alari, uh, you are currently in darkness. Like, looking at where you are, you are certainly more than 75% in the darkness, and so you cannot see anything. I'm going to take that step to my right, and I'm going to hold an action. If I see that sphere start to move towards us, towards the bridge, I'm going to shoot 
an arrow towards where I feel the center of that is. Um, so is that you only want to move that five feet? Yep, I want to cover. Give me an intelligence check, please, to see if you can determine what the middle is. 21. Excellent, thank you. You feel pretty confident that you know where the middle of the sphere is. So. Uh, okay, searches. It's your turn. All the action seems to be happening behind you. All right, so I will turn around and face that and can't really see into the darkness, so I will just ready an action that if I see the troll or have a good idea where he is, I will take a shot at him. Okay, fair enough. All right, uh, and kill Varix. Kill Varix will be double moving with Enon, so he is huffing and puffing with him. Okay, so 60 feet for kill Varix. Hard to squeeze by as the big guy, you know, so... I know the troll will move. Uh, I am going to... Alari, the the darkness has moved and enveloped you. You had movement left over. Do you want to uh, move to stay ahead of the darkness? Yes. And okay. I will shoot. Yep. Okay. Roll your attack. And your attack would be at disadvantage, so... Uh, I miss, I'm assuming, okay. because I rolled an eight. Uh, you will indeed. With him in the darkness like that, it's going to be very difficult for him to catch up with any of you having now passed him. There is still the shipwrecky stuff kind of north of where you guys are right now. Do you wish to investigate or just uh, get out of dodge? I would have had my snake go that direction. Uh, your snake can go that direction, yep. It's uh, beachhead, broken timbers, a couple of barrels, any bodies, any bags or backpacks or pouches? Give me a d20 roll. 16. 16. Your snake actually says that there's something someone has written beware in the sand. Um, but as far as you can tell, there's no body. It's written in common. There may be blood in the sand, but it's not sure. And it seems freaked out. Okay. I'll call it back. And then the ruse was to evade. We have succeeded. Do keep moving to put distance between us. Kess looks to you and says, your snake seems scared, so I suggest we keep looking at it. It has seen more writing of warning. Seems to be a theme around here. Indeed. Alarai was going to gruffly yell at the troll, in giant your necklace is on the other bank pretty green gem it fires back at you and said i will drink the marrow from your bones in my soup <coughs> when you had first met the Visani, they had said that based on where you were and uh, their suspicion about how you needed to get out and that your map clean uh, seemed to be pointing towards uh the, a chalet at the far end of, of, uh, of the map here in the lower left-hand corner, which they described as a cursed place. They were, there had been a great evil that occurred there and that to their, uh, to their detriment tried to persuade you that that was not necessary to go to, but uh, alas, the, the map does seem to be bringing you that direction. But they had suspected at the time that uh, you would get to the house early evening. Your path has been a little bit delayed here. So as you are crossing the bridge, you can see to the south 
the shell of a long dead volcano, which looking at the map, you are attributing to uh, what's called the scorch of the red worm. On the map, it seems active and fissurous and smoky, but here it seems less a active volcano and more just a a empty shell. But beyond, in the shadow of the mountain, you also see a a large house. Uh, It's a small castle or a large house, depending on your perspective. And you figure that it's probably a good hour or so away from where you currently are. You also notice on this side of the bridge that the overall atmosphere is somewhat different. The ground is swampier and a little fetid, a little stinky. It is, everything is a little grayer. There's a chill in the air, but there definitely seems to be some sort of environmental change once you're on the side of the bridge. There's just a difference in the way the the ground feels beneath your feet and the way that the atmosphere kind of hangs off of you a little thicker. It's a it's a little foggy. There's low, thick, dense fog hanging over the swamp. And it just feels a little bit disconcerting. Handy. I off in the distance, away from where you are, you see some strange creature kind of prowling through the muck. Describe it and what is the intent of the creature? So if it's off in the, the muck and the mire, it would probably be some form of spider, ilk. How big a spider are we talking? I would say a good size spider, fist size, Don't building a web, trying to catch itself some some rodentia for, mm. for a meal. Excellent. Excellent. Absolutely fabulous. And on, as you are again walking down the path, you see some sign that at some point in time someone came under some distress as they were walking by the road here what is the evidence that you see of this distress there appears to be some tracks uneven turned ground looks like the earth is turned up at the uh, the, the tips where the front of the feet would be showing that there was some haste an unsteady gait some of the Footsteps appear to be rotated as if looking over their shoulder while running. Excellent. Fabulous. Searches the sands as you are walking down the road with everybody. You see Anon curiously looking at these tracks off in the mud just off the path. What is it that was chasing the person or creature that was being chased? It's hard to tell, but there appears to be some sort of almost large quadrupedal creature pause amidst these tracks. Alarai. Again, Anon and Searches, they, with the eyes of, uh, of skilled naturists, are pointing out these tracks on the side of the road where clearly uh, something was being chased by something else more sinister. What was the result? Did what was being chased get caught by the chaser? Well, off of our path, following the trail of the Guffel, there's a couple of splatters of blood. Not a lot, but I feel that the paw prints that are leading away are appear heavier than the ones that were walking towards. So I, I feel that whatever the aggressor was, it caught its prey. Oof. All right, Kess, you see this story of this tale unfold in front of you with the creatures and everything like this. Your eye has gone to something different on the side of the path. You see flora, which you have never seen before, something 
unusual and queer. Could you describe to me what it is uh, this flower or this plant looks like and what is it that draws your attention to? I'm really intrigued because the leaves aren't green. They're blood red and they seem to come in threes. The blossoms are black. Mm. Tiny black blossoms. Fabulous. And it's growing in profusion down the path. Ugh. Excellent. Kilvarex, when Kess points out this trail of, uh, of flowers and queer leaves, it reminds you of a plant that you've heard of before. Something that has some sort of either an effect for good or for ill if you consume it. What is the effect of the plant that this reminds you of, whether it's the same plant or not? It reminds me of the soldier's curse, a vine that grows in my homeland that when you are on campaign and there's nothing left to eat, you will tend to eat, but it'll tend you to go insane the more you eat. So as you are walking down the road, again, you pass by this, this abandoned shell and you can see the shell of a volcano and, and you can see in the, in the rock formations, large claw marks as if some larger cousin dragon to the wyvern which attacked you earlier probably lived at some point but there doesn't seem to be any smoke rising from the caldera anymore it seems seems long extinct again sort of adding to your theory that this map is quite aged it was probably written some time ago uh, uh, and that history has has changed somewhat and as you pass the scorch of the red worm, you find yourself coming up on a somewhat small chalet, for lack of a better term. And even along the roadside, there is a, a sign written in an archaic script with an arrow pointing to the house and calling it Chalet Brantifax. As you approach the, uh, approach the house, you find yourself at the front door to the chalet. It looks to be roughly two to three stories tall. There is no knocker or no bar on the front door. Uh, it has a red tile roof. Seems that there was a circular room or staircase and the top story of that circular room has collapsed. So the chalet is in somewhat disrepair. Going in the front door seems a bit obvious. Do we want to circle and see what's around first and then start digging in or just go straight in? Does there appear to be some dust on the steps or has it been recently disturbed? Give me, please, a investigation check. That would be an eight. You see Anon starting to kind of poke around the, the stairs at the front there. I don't know, Anon, uh, do you describe what you're doing or, or are you just sort of poking around? I gesture with my staff to kind of just uh, see if I can scrape the steps, see if I uh, if there's any dust I can mark against with the uh, tip of my spear. So he seems to be he seems to be poking at the dust, but has Anon. You don't notice anything. There doesn't seem to be any dust, but there doesn't seem to be any evidence of entrance either. So like the fact that there is no dust is somewhat unusual, but it doesn't also seem well, like somebody has walked here recently. The stairs don't seem to be uh, used recently. How desperately do we wish to know? If anyone resides here, we could always knock. I can also search for signs of intelligence within. Alarai, since you had asked if you could join in the investigation, I will give you bit 
this bit here. Your keen ears pick up what sounds like a running hog snorting and, and rough, rustling through some part of the house. Oh, okay. Okay. That so is evidence that something is here examining the perimeter to see if all entrances are barred would let us know if someone let it in or if it is just wild hog. Let's wait a second. And I'm, I would like to look before the stone steps into the muck and then up the stairs to the door. Is the door open or closed? Uh, the door is closed, but it is, it doesn't seem to be barred or there's no like knocker or anything. So what Alaray would like to look for is footprints in the muck or the dirt or whatever going up to the stairs where there would be track. Sure. Give me um, your investigation check. Candy will go over and look in the window. Sure. And I got an 18. Fabulous. There do seem to be some tracks in, in the mud. There are like boot prints, which are fresh, but not super fresh, probably within a week or so. There are various animal prints kind of in the in the mud and anything like that deer elk you know that sort of thing curiously though you don't see hog prints hmm. do the boot prints go to the door or do they go to around the house neither so you see boot prints approach the house and then they don't stop. seem to go in the house and they don't seem to go around the house they seem they to just... stop before the stairs and don't walk away I'm going to go around the house. Anyone want to come with me? So Candy yes. has already moved up to, a, to around the side there. Are you going to go with him? No, I am not. I've been waiting to go around the house. Mm-hmm. And Kilvarex had suggested it as well. Candy okay. went off in the other direction. I would go around to the left. Okay. So let's divide up here. So Searches and Alarai and Anon are either of you going with either party or are you letting them go off by themselves or cho- and choosing a third path? I believe it's normal human custom to knock on doors and then enter. Okay, so would you uh, sidle up to the door and knock on it? How solid is the door? You know, Is the jam tight to the floor? Are there any gaps or openings? The house is in somewhat disrepair on its upper levels. On the bottom level, it seems like it is sort of maintained-ish, but it seems like it's not maintained by an expert hand. It's mm-hmm. definitely not the glory that it used to be, but like if the door had fallen off the hinges, it had been put back on the hinges, but not quite straight, that sort of thing. But not necessarily gaps that a snake could slither through. Uh, correct. So Anon, you had said, talking about knocking on the door, is that, uh, would you like to do that before? Um, I would like to allow the uh, the rest of the party to uh, proceed. I'll give them a, a head start before uh, knocking on yep. the door. Fair enough. Searches the sands? Uh, searches will head up with Candy. With Candy, okay. It's a three-way split. It's a three-way <laughs> split. All right. And Nan, does it look like you're going to go up to the door and knock? That is my intention. Then Alari will put herself right at the corner of the building. Right around mm-hmm. that corner, just out of sight of the door, where I can see Anon, but they okay. they can't necessarily see me. My snake okay. will stay with Anon and Alaray. Okie dokie. We're going to start then first with searches and candy. So as you move your way around the house, you peer in the windows to the room. It's a largish window. You see spacious room, 
you're kind of at a at a bulge in uh, the northern wall that's uh, that's covered in windows. The windows are, are cracked, pieces missing out of them, and kind of north beyond the chalet is again just a foggy, misty valley. You see uh, dusty sheets covering most of the furnishings, cobwebs stretching, and you can see sort of the silhouettes of some like hunting trophies uh, maybe like an antelope or something like that okay and how big does the room appear does it can we see any other exits or entrances doorways things like that yep you certainly can so there are several doorways in the room uh, most of them are closed and you just see a hallway extending to the south but you can't see down it's it's too dark the window itself uh glass panes yep cracked and broken they're not whole anymore um, does it appear to be a lift or a swing or lift. does it, op- or does it not open at all? Uh, nope. They, 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 they are lift windows. Searches the sands. Do you think that entrance would be appropriate or shall we pursue the rest of the building? Peruse the rest of the building. We should get a firm lay of the land before we continue in and corner ourselves. I have no doubt that whatever is within, I can handle. Potentially foolish words. I'd rather be safe. Nod at searches the sands and kind of pop a piece of ribbon gandy into his mouth and start moving around the other side of the bump out. Okay. So as you move around, uh, again, you sort of see as you're around the corner, uh, there are no more windows on sort of this side of the room, but uh, you do see, again, the kind of the back side of that large turret-shaped building. There is a, a small window, um, and again, from here, you are on the outside of the uh, of, a, of a round, again, colonnade-type thing. Up on the third floor, this is the bit of the building that is crushed in. Right in front of you is a very small window inside that window again you see a circular chamber there's a large oak dining room table surrounded by six high back chairs they're all carved with images of stags on them mm-hmm. and above the table is a gaudy chandelier like one of those wrought iron crystal chandeliers um you see uh, puddles of water on the flagstone uh, below, and the, the windows again on the circular chamber are are broken. So the uh, the other thing that kind of stands out in this room is that there is a large fireplace that is in the uh, like on the far side of the room from where you are, so like a like diagonal and to the southeast of where you are. Uh, the fireplace is is blackened with soot, but doesn't look like it's been lit in some time. And the uh, size of this window, like, are we talking like, a, like an arrow slit? Yeah, it's it's small. It's maybe like a like a foot like a, wide. Like a porthole. Um, yeah. As you look through it, there's another one of similar size, like down to the southwest of the circular room. But that's that's really the extent of it. Kess and Kilvarex. So you are beginning to walk around the the building, uh, and again you see uh, as you kind of round around this corner. You see two windows, you know, or like one kind of largest window kind of facing to the north of you here. If you look into uh, that room, the room is actually sort of set um, set up a little bit. So Kilvarex, you can see into the window. Kess, if you got on Kilvarex's shoulders, you would be able to see in it. 
it is arranged like a parlor more than anything else. Uh, there's a there's a low table, a handful of overstuffed chairs and sofas, some other furniture. There's a cabinet uh, full of glass decanters, wine goblets, stuff like that. There's a large gilded harp in one of the corners. And there is a staircase that looks like it goes up to, to the second floor. I uh, turn to, to Kilvarix and I say, come into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. See anything suspicious? Shall we continue? As you round the corner, you can also see a wrought iron fence with a large gate to the south of you. The wrought iron fence is about seven feet tall and uh, set into the north side of the enclosure. So on the gate that you can see is the name Brantifax, uh, B-R-A-N-T-I-F-A-X. It's working to the archway above the gate. In the yard, um, you can see a handful of graves uh, and gravestones. What do you think? Should we go check out those graves or continue around the house? I say we continue around the house. I don't, uh, I don't relish digging up dead people or looking over and uh, disturbing their slumber. So I'm going to snake around on the inside of the trees, really close to the house, to see okay. if I can see anything under those trees. Sure. Curious about the trees. In the, the bushes there outside, more so in the, the bush that's kind of closest to where you're currently standing, you, you see something curious. It looks almost like bacon fat, kind of like, you know how like when bacon fat congeals, it kind of gets that like yellowy, pale color to it. And kind of judging the trajectory of where it is on the tree and everything like that. Um, it seems like it was thrown out uh, the window that you're now standing in front of. And through that window, you can smell sort of this like presence of meals past, right? Um, as if like, you know, this is, you're, you're at the kitchen and it's like the, the smells of, free, of previous food are like wrapped in the wood of the cabinets. So it's like, it's a kitchen that hasn't been used in quite some time, but it still smells like it was quite active. Almost everything you would expect to see in a kitchen of this size, you can see here. And it's a good 20 feet by, by 20 feet. So it's a good size kitchen. About anything you can see in a kitchen of this size can be found, including uh, dish-filled cupboards, cleaning supplies, and cooking utensils. Uh, and you see a couple of mice scurry across the table. So I see mice. Do I see any other evidence? Um, I'm curious because we heard a hog. You and did. this is the obvious place to come for food. Do I see any other evidence that other animals have been in this room? Food? Give me an investigation check, please. Eight. You see no other evidence of any other animals other than some mice scurrying around. Inan and Alari, we're moving to you now. You find yourselves at the front of the door. Alari, you've positioned yourself sort of around the corner so that whatever would be on the door... Uh, couldn't see you. How do you proceed? I would like to officially say that I'm hidden. I would like to make my way slowly up the steps and kind of casually give the door a gentle push. As you push at it, the lock mechanism or the kind of the latch mechanism on it is aged and worn uh, and the door pushes open, revealing what looks like a cloakroom. Inside, uh, there is uh, a line of rusty iron hooks on the walls of the entrance foyer. Uh, hanging from two of the hooks are a shovel and a rake. There is also a dusty cloak draped over one of the hooks next to a round-topped door in the south wall. 
As the door opens up, I'll uh, lightly tap on the door, knocking on it, and say, Hello, is anyone home? The door sort of creaks as you rap on it, and you hear the creaking door sort of, it almost seems as if it echoes from the house. And for just a second, you feel like it's just the, the dying sound of the creaking door. And then you hear distinctly from another part of the house, another creaking door and maybe footsteps, but it's very hard to, to determine. And it seems to be coming from another, from another floor, not on this ground. Do I hear that or just a nod? Just a nod. And the room is dusty. It looks uh, misused, uh, unused. The cloak that you see kind of on one of the hooks, less dusty and more like road dust, right? Like as if it had been, been worn. But this room does not seem super used. I'd like to make my way into the room and uh, stop at the... Uh, uh, I have two doors in front of me. Yep, there's one to the south and one to the west. Do either one look to be more worn or used? The one to the west seems more used. The one to the south is barred shut. Alaric is like, going to quietly follow. Okay. As will the snake. I'd like to move towards the door on the west and uh, lightly rap on the door. Uh, there is no answer as you rap. Do I still hear the pig? Uh, you have not heard the pig since you heard I, it the first time. Just to uh, review, mm -hmm. did it sound like it was inside the house? It did. Okay. I don't believe anyone's home. Shall we continue? You didn't hear anything? I hear nothing. Do you want me to go first? I think it's best if we weren't to appear to be sneaking about if someone was home. Okay. Then I am following your lead. I am just here as your backup. In that case, let's proceed cautiously. And I would like to uh, proceed through the west door. So as you open the west door, again, you see this large den type area, covered furniture, the windows are broken. There is, again, cobwebs kind of stretched between various hunting trophies that are up on the walls. What is your passive perception? Both of us? Please. Eleven. Thirteen. Thirteen. Anon, you know, you've been you've been very cautious about sort of like how the dust is laying and what the use of the room looks like. Above the fireplace, you notice that in the wood paneling there is a rectangular area that is darker than the paneling next to it, um, as if there used to be a picture hanging there that's no longer there. Is it a sizable rectangle? Yeah, fairly sizable. Maybe like a Three feet tall and about two feet wide. Okay. Does the fireplace look used so at all recently or at all? No, it does not look like it has been used. Again, it's sort of covered in like old soot. It hasn't been cleaned in a very long time and it has not been used in probably in, in longer. So it's just, it's like old black soot in the, uh, in the fireplace. Is the room well lit or is it dark? It's 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 pretty dark outside, and you don't see. Uh, there are like there are like sconces with candles in them and stuff like that, but there's no uh, there's no real lighting in here, and it's getting dark outside, so it's getting tougher to see.
candy and searches. You find yourself looking in on the dining room with the oak tables and such. What would you like to do? I'll look at searches and I'll kind of hold out my pouch. Would you care for a hardened confection? Of course. A little road snack as we continue searching around. Hand it to him and kind of start moving around the tower. There's another little window over on the other side. There is. And as you round towards it, you see off to the east here, you see there is a seven foot tall wrought iron fence. You see the backside of some gravestones. The, uh, the gate is off to the north side of the, uh, of the fence, but it's, it's like a seven foot tall wrought iron fence. Interesting. Someone obviously cared enough for their honored dead to inter them. Um, are the two of you trying to be stealthy at all? Stealth is not exactly my game. <laughs> uh, searches, it's definitely your game. Are you being stealthier than usual? Yes, I'm kind of stumping around while I let Candy kind of sort of draw any attention. All right. Cass, you, you definitely hear something kind of off to your west. Um, at least one creature kind of moving around the building. So The we'll jangling of armor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. If you're wearing armor specifically, you, you hear armor sounds. We'll get to you in a minute, though. I wear um, armor that gives me disadvantage to stealth. <laughs> searches candy you you uh what would you like to do the gravestones the graves um does that area look well kept has it been trimmed are the graves disturbed are the stones intact uh it's tough to kind of see from this side through the wrought iron um and you're a good you know 35 feet away from it at this point so it's not like a wide bars it's it's tight yeah, it's, it's, it's fairly tight, like wrought iron. The stones look old. Um, you can definitely tell that. like They're, they're like weather-worn and stuff like that. But beyond that, yeah, it doesn't seem like anyone has been in here to mow the grass in a long time, you know, that kind of thing. It's, a, uh, it's definitely been some time since someone has been. Well, we did hear the pig earlier. So mm -hmm. does any of the grass look like animals might have been chewing on it? Signs of, of mm -hmm. goats or something yeah. like that? Give me a nature check, please. Uh, that would be a 22. Fabulous. Not as far as you can tell. It seems like the, really there have been no, no ground keep or anything. Nothing, nothing really kind of keeping to the grounds. One interesting thing that you see, though, um, mm -hmm. is, and this, this does sort of make sense because now that you're kind of staring up the, uh, the circular colonnade, there are, uh, there are birds kind of flying around, um, but there does seem to be an inordinate amount of guano on this side of the town, which would okay. make sense. I mean, this is where the birds seem to be, to be circling. That just seems to be, uh, be pretty common. Over here. Any other signs of wildlife other than uh, the birds? Uh, again, kind of the, the occasional like deer track, antelope okay. track, that kind of thing, but no, nothing domesticated and nothing intentional. More just okay. kind of, um, you see like like mouse droppings and like mouse, you probably see mice like scurrying through the grass and stuff like that too. Um, you can hear owls hooting in the trees nearby, you know, that sort of thing. Do your kind inter their deceased searches? We do not typically, but in my experience, those who are truly wealthy and powerful will bury their greatest treasures with them. Perhaps what we seek 
is there. That seems a foolish notion when the goods could be used for the betterment of one's kind. It is how you show you are powerful, though. You don't need these items, so you bury them. But they could be useful to us. Nod at him. Kess and Kilvarax. So Kess kind of skunked a, a slunk around the, uh, the corner of the building here. Did you follow, or did you let her slink? Kilvarax would follow at a distance, because he knows, he knows she likes to kind of slink off a little bit. So I'm not trying to disrupt her... Uh, you can see some shadows moving on the far side of the building about 60 feet away from you. You can hear the clink of armor, which, again, knowing that Candy and Searches went the other direction around the building probably isn't too much of a surprise. You are used to the sound of war, but... Uh, well, I'll just keep an eye out there, expecting it to be them, and then kind of just be ready in case I have to throw a firebolt. Yep. <laughs> Kess, how about you? So... I turn to Kilvarex and I say, hey, Kils, I can't really see in this window. Do you want to come check it out? And there's one more window here. Coming. I think the others are just around the corner. And I'll jump well, over. We're doing what Simeon would do, yep. going to the left. Uh, are you two attempting to be uh, sneaky in this conversation at all? Kilvarex is not sneaky. All right. He doesn't have um, a sneaky bone in his body. Candy and, and searches. There is clearly Kilvarix, the dragonborn, mm -hmm. talking, talking with uh, who you would presume to be Kess, just beyond kind of the round bit of the, of the turret here. But meanwhile, Kess is being super sneaky. Yep. Do you continue around to join them, or do you kind of stay where you are, Candy and searches? We've seen everything that there is to see through these kind of portholes. Mm -hmm. I... We'll move towards them, but not all the way up to them, because I still want to peek between the slats of this wrought iron fence. All right, and uh, Searches, how about you? Yes, yeah, Searches is going to move up to the fence as well. And yep. Does it look not too difficult to climb? Uh, it's seven feet tall. It would be a little tricky getting over the sharp bits at the top, but you also see about 20 feet along the fence here that there's a gate on the north side. So you could climb it if you wish. Wouldn't have to. Searches will start heading towards the gate. And do you wish to open the gate? I check out the hinges and whatnot to see if it might make a uh, loud screeching noise. Give me investigation check. How, how familiar are you with mechanical things? I would say relatively. I mean, he's a trained archaeologist, so he's used to dealing with getting yep. into places and particularly trapped whatnot. Yeah, uh, sure. The was 18. You definitely think that it would uh, it would screech when you open it. Um, it probably has not been opened in significant time. All right. Seeing that, he's actually going to draw his bow and he's going to pull back on the string as a silvery misty arrow forms. And he's going to aim towards the middle of the graveyard. And as he lets go of the arrow, his entire form turns into mist and follows it as he misty steps into the middle of the graveyard. Oh, that's fabulous. Anon and Alarai, you find yourselves in the den section of the house here. There is that staircase uh, to the south that kind of leads up to that, that semi-floor that we were talking about earlier. There is a, uh, a door slightly ajar to yourself uh, and a, a hallway to the south also. Are there uh, any candles about to light viewing or are we... Uh... 
don't have any other light sources available to us. There are indeed some candles left in the sconces. They're they're well worn, but they seem like they would be usable. Uh, all right. Do we need to light some candles to see? It I, goes dark in the room. I don't think so. So long as you can see me, I can see. You will need to lead the way then. I can do that. Alaray would like to peek in that ajar door. So as, then, as you yes, yeah, so you, you peek in the open door, it looks like a like a kitchen from where you can see, you know, you can see like a table with cooking utensils on it. Definitely smells like like a kitchen, but like it hasn't been used in some time. Nothing has been cooked in it in a very, very long time, but that when it was in use, it was used all the time and a lot. Like, uh, you can kind of smell like old turkey in the wood and like butter and bacon. And, you know, you can see like mice scurrying around. You smell like stale bread and things like that. No pigs. You don't see any pigs. Do you want an investigation check to see if there is any evidence of pigs? I would. Go ahead. Did you want perception or investigation? Investigation, please. All righty. That will be a 14. You see no evidence of pigs. Then uh, we see some shady characters outside of the window of the kitchen. Uh, you do. So Kesson Kilvarex, you see, well, so she was kind of like half behind the closed door there. So that's, that's more difficult, but you do see, uh, you can see someone kind of shadows moving inside, uh, inside the room. They seem rather furbolg and turtle shaped. Mm. So Seems to make sense. Alarai, as you are moving from the door to the hallway here, so you have did not hear the creaking floorboards last time. You were still outside. You hear what sounds like someone dragging something heavy across the floor. And it sounds like it's coming from directly above So everybody on the outside, you have seen searches the sands, misty step through the gate into the graveyard proper. Does anybody choose to join him? I'm just looking through the grates. Nothing really to to be uh, learned beyond what you've already seen. The the stones are weathered. The grass is unmowed. Looks like that there is grass covering the the, the burial mounds. Mm-hmm. Or so are they exposed? Is there dirt? Were they dug? up recently give me an investigation check it's a 22 one of the graves is significantly newer than the other three the other three are fairly like to the point that it's kind of tough to tell like which grave was first sort of thing mm-hmm. but one of the graves is significantly newer can't tell which one was first but can definitely tell which one, which was, one last. was last <laughs> and that would be which one the third one down which is unusual searches if you could Closer to that recently disturbed earth from a closer vantage point. Does it look like something was put in or something made its egress? There is an easy way of telling that. And I will pull out my shovel and I will start digging a little bit. Excellent. While he is digging, (laughs) I need everyone please to give me their initiative roles. A minute ago, when you asked whether any of us wanted to join him, mm-hmm. I do. Okay. If I can do that before we hit the initiative. That that would be fine, because there's some conversation and stuff. How are you choosing to go in? Are you going to just walk through the gate, or are you going to misty step in? Or 
Well, how are you going to do it? Well, you know me, mm-hmm. or rather, you know Cass. I do. So Cass can jump six feet vertically with a mm-hmm. 10-foot running start. So runs up, unhooks the three-section staff, leaps to near the top of the gate, mm-hmm. hooks the staff over it, and hikes herself over and jumps down neatly. Fabulous. Uh, the top of the gate is spiked, so I'm going to need an athletics check, please. Spikes yes. don't bother me. That's why I use the three-section staff. Mm-hmm. Yes. Dope monk upcoming. <laughs> <laughs> that was the plan. 14. 14? Take one point of damage. You you nicked your hand on one of the spikes on the way by. Well, I would think this was just dexterity, but okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have any strengths. I just have yep. style. Yep. Okay, but I nicked my hand. Yep, but you're in. Um, so I need your initiatives, please. Uh, Kilvarix? Natural 20. Excellent. Uh, Kess, please. That's a 12. Thank you. Alara? 22. But not a natural 20? No. Uh, searches? 11. Excellent. Candy? 11. And Anon. Well, actually, excuse me, Anon and Alari, you all are inside the building, so you don't get to play. So, searches, are you doing anything before you begin your digging? Uh, I guess I would just briefly survey the ground looking for a good place to start digging. Yep, that's that's fine. You can certainly, um, again, in the situation that you're in, this grave is newer than the other three, but it's still pretty overgrown. So there's not like a best place to start digging. It's just sort of dig. As you begin digging, you're digging down far enough that you would eventually expect to feel a coffin or something underneath. Do you get into the grave or do you do it from up top or how do you dig? I would stay out of it as long as I could, but eventually, if needed, I would get into it. I would think that you would have to get in eventually, yes. So as you are digging, you pull out a shovel full of dirt uh, and a disembodied hand runs up the handle of your shovel and attacks you. And you take four points of slashing damage. If you have a reaction, you can use it here, but otherwise we'll begin the round. Kilvarix, something has happened in the in the graveyard section. You heard searches surprisedly yell <laughs> as he uh, as he got hit. So do I see the hand and whatnot? It's in the grave right now, so probably not. But I heard the commotion. You do. You hear you hear him commoting. Okay, I'm gonna run over to the gate and ask, is everything all right? Kess is gonna yell out, no. There's some weird thing attacking searches and draw her longsword. And I guess I will try to kick open the door if it's unlocked. If not, try to bust it open. Give me a strength check. 23. Yeah, absolutely. You kick open the door with uh, with great commotion and almost kick it off of its hinges. So, uh, so you used 15 feet of movement to get to where you are. So you can take more movement or take an action as you see fit. If, and it's down in the grave. So I'm going to move closer, but try to stay covered behind either. Probably the headstones up top. So I'm going to move over towards that first headstone. Okay. Next is Kess. Kess. He's dropped the three-section staff on the ground, 
drawn the long sword mm-hmm. and sort of leaps to Search's defense and takes a swing at the hand. Yep. Where is the hand in relation to Search's? It's off to his right hand side. And in fact, as you get to the edge of the grave, you can see now a second hand beginning to dig itself out of the dirt and a twisted body with this demonic face on it. You can see them starting to work their way out from the dirt from below. All right, so I am going to... The body seems like the greatest threat, so I am going to attempt to stab and pin it with my longsword from above. Okay. As my main action. Okay. So stabbing downward, it's a very big thumbtack, and I'm trying to pin down this body with it. Mm-hmm. So that would be uh, 19. Yep, uh, 19 will hit. So that would be 10 damage. 10 damage, okay. And it's up to you whether I succeed in pinning it down. You do not succeed in pinning it down, and it does not seem to take much concern with your attack. So as my unarmed strike that goes with that, I will um, heal stomp the hand that attacked searches, which is the most imminent threat, right? Okay. Okay. So that would be 21 to hit. That will hit. And that is eight damage. Yep. So as you step on it, it's it had kind of crawled up the edge of the uh, the shovel to go ahead and attack him. As you heel stomp it, you come down. It slides down the handle of the shovel beneath your foot, and you uh, hit it on the the like the top part of the blade, uh, and it 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 splatters with a icky sound. Quite dispatched. Next, the the large ghoulish looking thing is it starts looking at you and its eyes start glowing this this odd green color and i need you to make a wisdom save please that would be a um, 14. yep okay yep you are it's looking all all boogly boogly but not actually uh not actually giving any effect it does have two attacks searches and kess it will attack both of you uh kess pick red or yellow please I pick red. Red. It's a 21 to hit and searches. This is 17 to hit for you. Do either of those hit? I'm hit. You are hit. Me as well. You as well. Okay. Both of you will take uh, six points of slashing damage. Uh, Kes, you've already been targeted with your wisdom save for this round, but searches, I need one from you, please. 15. 15? Okay. Yep. Uh, that, that you will succeed. That's fine. And then that is its turn. So searches, it is your turn next all right how deep is the grave right now mm, three feet all right um i will scramble on out uh, heading northeast just a couple of spaces he will get an attack of opportunity from you as you leave yep that will be a 16 that hits and you will take six points of damage all right so he claws at you as you try to leave and then for my action, I will summon my bow, and that will be it for the turn. Fabulous. Candy, there is commotion in the graveyard. Yes, and the slats, I can see what's happening, or at least hear it. It's not like you can't see through the slats, but it's it's definitely, it's a, it's a little obscured, okay. but there's definitely a commotion going on. Absolutely. So, and Candy... don't forget to kill Varex 
ran through I, basically ran through the great like a freight train so yes yeah. so gandhi is going to take advantage of the uh, open door policy okay. here and then from here i now when kess uh heel stomped one of the hands mm-hmm. did it perish or did it just kind of break a knuckle uh no it definitely seems uh no longer to be a hand okay but i do see this dude here climbing up out of the ground he's exactly so he's starting to claw his way out of the grave yep okay i am more than 15 feet away from him correct yes yes okay so i would like him please to give me an intelligence saving throw it's a nine that is going to be a failure okay so that would be four points of psychic damage okay and if in the next time that it would have to make a saving throw it subtracts a d4 from whatever it ro- is rolling is that a condition of some sort or just an effect of that is the that is an effect of the spell okay the other hand that was in the grave climbs out and begins scaling the wall and disappears over the top we are at the top of the round kilvarix kilvarix is going to yell to everyone get back and pull out his multicolored holy symbol and start trudging forward with it glowing brighter and brighter as he stopped unholy abomination by io i banish you and uh channel divinity to turn undead cool there's a Okay. Wisdom save for everyone within 30 feet of him as he's moving forward. Okay. Uh, cool. He is not undead. Will those of us in the house have heard that shouting at least? Yes, Ally and, and on through the broken windows, you definitely hear some sort of commotion going on outside the house, but it's unclear what exactly it is uh, that's going on. Kess, it's your turn. Kess is a little flummoxed at the failure of her longsword to do any damage to this creature. Faced with a creature that doesn't seem pierceable, Cass is going to make the very uncharacteristic move of disengaging and following Kill's advice. And so I can disengage Mm -hmm. from this creature in front of me and uh, spending a key point to do so. Leap back to beside Kilvarix. Can I see through the slats of this gate? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like a solid wall. Like you can you can see through the slats. Yeah. Can I see the hand scurrying away? Uh, give me a perception check. That would be a eighteen. Okay, it's not trying to be particularly stealthy, but let's see what happens. Uh, yes, you can. Yep, um, and it is in fact. Um, uh, so it jumped over the fence, um, and uh, it's kind of hard to tell what direction it is, but basically it's a good 30 feet from you. It's still right along the fence, kind of right right down the wall there. Can so, I fire an arrow at it through the Of course. Fence? Sure. Uh, it would be at, at disadvantage because of half cover. So that would be uh, a 17 to hit. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, actually, a 19 to hit. 19 to hit. Uh, cool. Yeah, that will hit. So that would be 11 damage. Cool. You pin it to the ground, uh, and it starts leaking this greenish ichor. Seems quite as dead as a hand can be, right? (laughs) Okay. The 
creature in the grave is next. It will crawl out of the grave and it will move. Oh, he can reach you, searches. So he will move up on you uh, and attack. Uh, he has two claw attacks. I don't think either will hit. The best one that I've got of the two is a 12. Those miss. Those both miss. Fabulous. And then Candy, since you uh, hit him with that weird psychic blast thing, as he rushes up, you see his eyes again doing this weird greeny look thing, and I need a wisdom save. That is going to be a seven. A seven. Fabulous. You are frightened and paralyzed, unless you have immunity. I do not. Fabulous. Frightened. It is a ability of the creature. You are frightened and the frightened target paralyzed. Gotcha. Searches, it is your turn. All right. So Searches is going to pull back on his bow again. And this time a kind of wispy white arrow appears as he lets it go. And a gust of wind erupts from his bow. Is there any penalty for using that so close to an enemy? I wouldn't think so based on what you're doing, I think. I don't, I don't believe so. I'm not 100% sure on casting in close proximity. Yep. Uh, it's just so your arcane focus is your bow, right? Um, okay. So that's Gust of Wind. So any creature that starts its turn in the line, which would be just straight south from me, 60 feet long, 10 feet wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it starts its turn in that, it must succeed on a safe, on a strength saving throw or be pushed 15 feet away. Cool. Fabulous. Candy, it would be your turn, but you are paralyzed. So Correct. do you have any passive actions that you're taking or anything? I will try to mumble out with whatever incoherence I can. Kilvarix, it's your turn. So can I tell that he is not moving and is unnaturally still? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Candy is a skilled warrior. Warrior recognizes warrior. Um, and the fact that he is standing exceptionally still and mumbling like a battle rager means that he's not right. <laughs> so I'm going to move next to him, put my hand on my on his shoulder, grab my holy symbol. and Which direction I, are you going to... When you say next to him, where are you going to be? Uh, right, Just close enough to touch him. I have to be able to touch him. Put my hand on his shoulder and holding my holy symbol being... I owe heal you of what ails you and cast lesser restoration on you. Cool. Candy, would you like to remove paralyzed or frightened? Uh, paralyzed, please. Okay. So frightened, uh, you'll have disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls. Yep. Okay. Cool. Excellent. While I'm doing this and get a good look at it, is there any way I can find out what it is? Do I recognize it? How about... It didn't turn, and it's not a celestial, a fey, any of the things that I can turn, which I can turn a lot. Correct. Give me a history check. Uh, history or arcana, your choice. Uh, they're both the uh, Yeah, they're both the same. So. Yeah. I got a 12. Cool. So if it's not undead, which is what you tried to turn, then it is some sort of construct of some variety, which given the knowledge that you know about like fake creatures and things like that, constructs are the constructs of this type, like hideous constructs are the domain of, of, uh, of hags and witches and things like that. So the fact that it looks like a scarecrow too, probably means that it might even be like a constructed scarecrow, like some sort of uh, an animated construct of some sort. It's going to burn. Yeah. Cass. Cass can see very clearly that 
since this creature is not susceptible to piercing damage or bludgeoning, there's not a lot she can do here except run to tell the others to get okay. out of here. So she is going to, of course, she can go a pretty long way, so. Doubled your movement, what would your movement be? 80 feet. <laughs> and of course I could go to the window and yell in the window. Fair enough, you could. So do you wanna, you wanna do that or do you wanna try to run in the front door? Can I get to the front door? I'd rather be able to come back too. Yep, let's see. I don't oh, wanna abandon the others, just, just call, summon help. You certainly could, you could get in the front door. Okay, so I'm gonna run as far as the front door and yell in the door, get on out here, we need help. Okay. Alari and Anon, why don't you give me your initiative rolls, please? I had a 22. Rock on. And Anon? 21 is what I just rolled. Okay. Um, so you have just now been alerted to uh, Kess's yelling at the front door, come out here, come out here, we need help. Uh, since you guys are so high in the initiative, I'll let you take uh, take, a re- take your rounds now. So, Alari? I'm going to run to the front door and pause and wait for him to catch up to me. Just outside the front door where Kess is now. You get 30 feet of movement, right? Are you going to double move? I'm going to double. Yep, that's fine. Okay, so you can be right outside the front door. Okay, and Anon, how about you? I'm going to uh, double move and dash as well. Uh, So how many feet does that give you? Uh, 30 per uh, walking. Yep. 60 total. Cool. Excellent. So you can, you can, you will get outside. Uh, you are outside the front door where Kess is. Kess, it's actually still your turn, and you have about twenty feet of movement left. So I'm going to tell them what I've seen so far very quickly. There's this creature. I can't stab it. I can't hit it. It has glowy eyes. It paralyzed candy. We need some magic here. And I'm going to run 20 feet back toward the others. So Kess yelled in the door. You ran to the door. She spouted out that information and then took off running again. Searches the sands. You are being attacked again because you are the creature directly in front of it. Uh, Make a safe, a uh, strength saving throw. Oh, thank you. Yep. Uh, That's a natural 20 on the strength saving throw. Sorry about that. I've got a 13 and an 11. I don't think either of those are going to hit you again. Nope, both miss. Cool, rock on. Uh, so now he's getting frustrated that he hasn't been able to hit you, so I need a wisdom save, please. 10. Cool. So the DC on the wisdom save is 11. Uh, so you are frightened and paralyzed. But his turn's done. So, you know, uh, it is your turn next. You are frightened and paralyzed. Does your spell end when you are paralyzed? Um, it's just concentration, so I don't think that breaks it. I wouldn't think so either. Candy, your condition actually ended when the Scarecrow's turn ended. So you are no longer. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it is your turn. All right. I am going to unlimber my greatsword, and I am going to cast a green flame blade, and Mm -hmm. I am going to charge in and smack him. Okay. So that is going to be a dirty 20. Okay, that will hit. And that will be for a crappy roll of six points of fire damage. Excellent. He does not care for fire at all. Well, Kilvarik said to burn it, so we shall burn it. Yeah. Hold on one second. Okay, he did not actually ignite, which is good. Depends on your perspective. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, we are back at the top. Kilvarik's. 
Sandwiches with Sant. Unfortunately, I used my last spot on Candy, so I'm going to have to go offenses on him. I am going to breathe into my hand and fling a firebolt at him. Fabulous. You've got an angle on it. You might not want to move to your right a little bit to go ahead and make sure you don't catch the cat on the way by. But All right, I'll do that. Yeah. Whatever I need to move, however I need to move to be able to fling yeah. that. I think that, that would get, that'd be fine. That gives you a nice angle in between there. Yep. I got 12. What's that? A 12? Yeah. Uh, a 12 will hit. Eight damage. Cool. And that's fire? Yes. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Uh, he still did not catch on fire, but at least he hit. Um, he did not care for that at all. Alarai, so you are way up here. Kess has taken off around the side of the house. Where do you wish to go? I would like to run if I can get within 60 feet of it. I think you're good. It's 40 feet. What are you doing first? And then we'll figure out whether or not disadvantage well, would apply. Spells I don't have. What I was going to do was throw a psychic blade at it. Yep. Still a disadvantage there. And the movement you gave me was just my movement with a dash, right? Uh, that was just your regular movement, not your dash. Oh, oh okay, cool. Yep. Well, then I'm, I'll dash down. Because I believe that I can still throw blade at this point, correct? I mean, you double move. That's a bonus action. I can do it as a bonus action. Yep. Okay. If you can do it as a bonus action, then yes. Okay. <laughs> not that it matters. I have an eight to hit. You did not hit him. Right. And on is next. I'm going to run down the path uh, using a dash as well uh, for my action. Okay. Let me just. Cool. You will get just inside the fence. Okay. Um, do you have any bonus actions in on, or is, is that it? I do not. That is it. Fabulous. Kess, your turn. I am going to move back. So at least as far as Enon, whatever 40 feet is. Yep. Okay. Uh, 40 feet. Uh, yeah. So you were 20 feet ahead of him. So you would get basically right to the gate also. Okay, like so you, you're small enough that you can slip by him if you want. I definitely want to slip by him. I'm not abandoning the others, even if I'm not much use. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to attempt at the very least to distract the creature just by firing my longbow at it. Okay. That would be 16 to hit. That will hit. And that would be uh, eight damage. Okay. Does anything happen to it? Uh, the arrow sticks in its side, but uh, it again, it doesn't seem to register uh, much about it. And again, Kess is deeply unnerved by being unable to cause any damage. Okay. Uh, the Scarecrow will go next. Candy, now that you have moved up on it, it is going to uh, retaliate and attack you. Uh, Poor thing. All right. It's standing its ground. So, Candy, two claw attacks. One of them is a 22. One of them is an 18. I will shield, and only one of them will hit. Okay. You will take, so, yep. you'll take six okay. points of damage. And uh, when it hits, uh, you need to make a wisdom save, please. It is a, a nine. Okay. You are frightened and paralyzed. It got in your head last time, and now you, like, you turn. You're so close to it, and it reaches out at you and claws at you, and you remember what the, the, the pained depth of its green eyes did to you last time. Frightening stuff. Uh, searches. Actually, I need a wisdom save from you also, please. 22. You are not frightened by him. And being the end of its turn, you are uh, freed from your previous condition. Candy, you are frightened and paralyzed, so. Correct. Yeah. 
Um, cool. As the fight wages on, from beyond the wall of the graveyard, something that looks like a flame bolt, Kilvaris, you have seen this before, shoots from something flying in the air, and it hits the scarecrow in the back. Uh, the scarecrow uh, begins to immolate, and in quick order, falls to ashes. As it does, a large were-raven lands in the graveyard on the other side of you. Its large, black, majestic wings kind of fold up, and it it looks you over, and you hear it in a, a surprisingly melodious voice for such a large were-creature, asks if you are friend or if you are foe. Am I still paralyzed? Uh, no, the scarecrow is now dead, so you are no longer paralyzed. If your quarry is with this thing, and I'll kind of kick at the burning straw, then we are friend. You are not from here. And the were-raven will shift into its human form, revealing a, a lovely black-haired woman in a long flowing black dress that it's almost like her, her, the wings and the feathers of her wear shape crafted themselves into the clothing that she's wearing. Um, and she extends her hand at you. You are not from here. How did you, how did you arrive at our home? Alari is going to like shift her weight to her back foot, so to speak, and mumble at Anon another damn wear. I was not aware they came in bird form too. I think they can come in any form you can think of. We are here from a book that was not intended for us called the Book of the Raven. Hmm. Do you know who it was intended for? I'll turn and look at uh, Cass and... and Cass pipes up and says, Matrias. Her face grows a little serious. How did you come to possess it? It was delivered to the coach that I traveled in to Candlekeep. Surely that is where Matrias is. I do not know this person. Kess pipes up again and says, Was. I'm sorry to say he's dead. How do you know Matrios? We are well acquainted. He has come here many times. He has been seeking answers to a mystery. What was he trying to find out? Well, that's actually why we summoned him. We had information for him. But if he has passed, perhaps we can relay our information to you instead. Would you come inside and join us for a meal? I'll kind of wipe off my blade. Hospitality is accepted. She, she turns to the house and in a language that you can only describe as cawing and clicks and uh, snaps, several other large 
ravenoid creatures fly down from the from the rookery at the top of the uh, of the house here and begin filling the grave back in are they standing there watching or are we walking as they come down and they start they start filling the grave back in um she starts walking out of the graveyard and says please follow me they will attend to helene's grave with care and with respect this one is called candy and i'll hold out my bag of of ribbon candy would you like a powdered confection she will reach into the bag and get a piece of candy by what name are you called my name is vinique you would be our honored guests please if you are friends of matrias you are friends of ours and she walks into the walks into the house and she stands in the doorway and she puts her hands on the wall a little bit. And it's almost as if the age of the house begins to fade away slightly. It's still old and it's still not in fabulous repair, but where before there were drab paneled walls, the paneling is a little bit a little bit brighter and a little bit more vibrant here. And the, the dust that Inan had been looking at before is less apparent. And she leads you into the dining room with the large oak table and the, and the oak chairs that you had seen through the windows and that, that Alarai had almost walked into before the unfortunate incident outside besets you. And she invites you all to sit, sit at the table and she'll have some food prepared. Uh, is, there, is there anything, please, in particular that I can send to you? Alarai pipes up bacon. The finest hogs in all of the realm are here. As you're sitting around the table, there's a like a small buffet type table uh, uh, over by the fireplace there on the hearth. There are some painted uh, pictures and Kilvarax and Kess. Uh, one of them is of Matrias's face with Vinique, the woman that you're talking to now, and they have their arm around one another. And he seems quite happy in that in that picture. You know, he is younger by a great many years than when you saw him, much less frantic and much less uh, concerned than, uh, than you remember him, but it's certainly his face. Vinny pulls up another chair and, and sits down. So you tell me that, that Matrias has, has died. Yes, I'm sorry to say. It had been a while since I had seen him, and I wondered if age had finally taken him. Was not age, it was a nymph. He was attacked. Hmm. Matrias, unfortunately, has been or had been researching dark forces. What do you know of him and where he comes from? We know that his village is plagued by some evil. We were supposed to be helping him, and I'm honor bound to continue that. So, if you have any information on how to. Dragonborn friend, I have good news and I have bad news. I have information, but the information is not going to help you, unfortunately. I can tell you what's going on in some degree of confidence, but I'm not sure what needs to be done to resolve it. Let me explain. What do you know of where you are now? Only what the Vistani told us. We're not in Faerun. Double-speaking bastards, the lot of them, aren't they? <laughs> they certainly seem evasive. It's by their nature. The Vistani are a secretive and protective people. They have 
they have a great many things to fear and they are also extremely powerful. They're one of the few beings that can natively pass from the realm that you are in to the realm where you belong. The fact that all of you came all at once is somewhat remarkable. The passageway that we built was built for one. That six passed through it unharmed is nothing short of a miracle. But I'm glad that you came through safely. The issue that plagues Matrias's village is that the village itself is falling into our realm here. It is leaving the realm where it belongs and passing through. How is that possible? The Plains of Dread do not pull. They do not consume. People and objects and places do not gravitate to the Plains of Dread. Instead, places and people and things are pushed from your realm into the realm of the dread. This is what we have been looking into for Matrias because it is very rare that a village on a whole or a, even an area of any size begins to traverse through the mists and enter the realms of Ravenloft. And yet it is happening. Can Rex know what a realm of dread or Ravenloft is? Give me an arcana check, please. In fact, anybody with an arcana skill that is over eight can also roll to see if they have any recollection. Candy, you understand this already. This is, you may not know the names necessarily, but your understanding of extra planar spaces, this is not unusual cosmology for you. I got a 25. Yeah, exactly. I got a 14. Cool. So that's enough to know that you know stories of realms which are not natural realms that beings of extreme evil either create or have created for them the process that which that happens is largely unknown but that it happens is known would we know she mentioned a specific dread realm would we know would a 25 know of that yeah, you understand that the nature is uh, the nature of this particular type of realm is that there are many of them, not one, and that they tend to be smaller than like interplanetary realms, right? Um, they are they are smaller and more and more personal than your traditional realms. Uh, but you also know again that it's unusual for like an entire area to to move from the proper realm where you belong to another realm, and so. As she talks, she says that whatever is causing this to happen is not here. The powers that govern this realm are not pulling Matrias's village to us. Something there is pushing the village into this realm. This is what we were researching for Matrias to go ahead and try to answer this question for him. He has been one that has was able to traverse the realms, and he found us several years ago. We have been friends for a great for a great long time. We were doing this research for him, trying to understand what was happening to his home village. And all that we have found is that we know it is not it is not from here, but that indeed his village is beginning to slip itself into the mists. And how did you come by the mists? We live here. We've always been here. In an evil realm for evil people. There are places that innocents get trapped, my friend. 
not everybody who lives in an evil realm is evil. I'll turn to Kilvarix and Kess. Uh, have you been to this realm or this village of which Vernique speaks? Uh, it's on the to-do list. No. Puzzling. How did you come to know of the village, Dragonborn and Drow? I saw it burning. There was a messenger from the village requesting Matrios's aid. We went to it at Matrios and vowed to help him. Hmm. When Matrios expired, the quest to save the village turned to those of us honorable enough to take up that mantle. Hmm. Indeed, that is that is a noble quest. I wish you great success because uh, surely there is some creature of extreme darkness driving the events that that messenger foretold. Matrias was quite aware of the calamities his village was experiencing, although he did not know the cause. And unfortunately, the information that we have that would have provided him further information is too late. But hopefully, if you are willing to take up this as an honorable quest, perhaps this information will help you in some way. Can you tell us any more about what you think this creature might be? Unfortunately, from this side of the mist, I can't tell you that. However, I can give you some observations that might help you refine what it is that you're looking for. You would be looking for a being not only of extreme evil, but of remarkable callous nature and remarkable depravity. These realms are not forged around someone who is merely a general of an army or merely a corrupt leader. It is when somebody takes those positions of power and abuses them in such a way that those that are subject to their depravity are affected in the gravest and most severe ways that the very cosmos that governs everything for lack of a better word, gifts them. And by gifting them in this way, dooms them both to eternal torment and a environment with which they can perpetually explore their darkest desires. Sounds like you describe any average illithid. Tell me, do you think I can stab him? I would not suggest approaching him if your weapons are of a mundane nature. What a curious question, though. Why do you ask? Kess looks crestfallen. Kess, come to me next time. I can make your weapon hurt him. Kess brightens up a little. As can this one. Is there anything besides knowledge you can give us to help us in our quest for Matrios? Perhaps. Wait here. Dinner will be served shortly. I will return. And she stands up and walks down the hallway that you that you came down originally. As she leaves, the door to the kitchen here opens. Fabulous, fresh scents begin to pour out. It's still a little British, <laughs> you know, heavy meats and fine bacon, no fresh greens, 
potatoes. No um, problems here. <laughs> the yeah. snake will fall over and eat. So I will actually stand and move over to Alari, and I will kind of lean over so that, like, if the people are outside the room, they can't hear me, but people, us, we can. Like, do we show them the Raven amulet? Or will they claim its bounty, do you feel? You identified it? I was just going to ask what you thought of them. They are were-creatures. Yes, turns to the others and says, Do you know the legend of Circe? I don't know, do I? I am new to this realm, and new to your realm. Its mythology is often baffling. Eating food can be perilous. Can anyone verify that the food is not magical? Well, that could be said of any creature of the Feywild. And these realms that they speak of do not have normal entrances. They are not travelable, much like my journey from the Astral Sea to Faerun. So what are you saying, Candy? One cannot simply just choose to enter one of these realms. One must be summoned, or one must earn their passage through dark deeds. So someone is earning the passage of the whole village? Is it really work that way? Taking it with them, as the ravens said, this is a puzzling case and i'll take the amulet out i will cast identify on it without using a ritual okay cool so as you cast identify on it you're staring at it um, and you feel like the raven begins to animate and Everybody else at the table sort of sees Candy enter some sort of a of a spell trance, right? It's a, he's casting the spell and he seems to be communing with the item. Candy, what you see is uh, it's like you your sight passes into the raven and the raven begins flying around and it's flying around the chalet and you can see everything from about thirty or forty feet over the ground as it flies around the chalet and then it flies back through one of the cracked windows and lands back in the the circle surrounding it in the necklace and uh and you return from your trance uh, so it seems as if that's the ability that the pendant uh, grants you so, so divination of a sort like, like a minor scrying like flight sight yeah well you go ahead and see from 30 feet above where you are so it appears that it allows a limited form of divination. One gains an aerial view of their current surroundings. Uh, any idea of how many times it could be used or if it has any like charges? or, or Only that it requires attunement. You feel like you would be able to, to use it uh, up to your proficiency modifier per day. This could be a valuable tool on the battlefield. Alarai has requested and claimed this, and I'll put it on the table in front of her. And as I walk back to my seat, I will stop at Kilvarix. Your honor is appreciated. The contract must be fulfilled. 
and then oh. nod and take my seat. Again, what do we do about these were ravens? We bleed them for information. Oh, he just asked them. Normally, I wouldn't leave the. Normally, I wouldn't re- leave a, a coven of such creatures, but it doesn't seem like this realm has anyone for them to infect. I sense Not. no ill will from the ravens. They've been friendly towards us and invited us in to their home. They Truly. may not be traditional lycanthropes. Alari lets out a large sigh. Something to add? No. No. Not right now. Curious. They would make a, a valuable unit of scouts. Yes. We are still trapped in this realm and they may be our only way out. So for now, we appear to be trapped in trusting them. They did give us the gift of hospitality. And the riddle, the book is the key. So there must be another book. Kess, Candy, and uh, searches the sands. Uh, Vinique has appeared back in the doorway to the room that you're in. And she is, hand- she is holding a medium-sized mace. I'll kind of shift my feet and take a guarded stance. Kess turns to her and says, what's that for? There are items in the house here of the former Brantifax family that we have no need for. If you are going to be picking up the quest for our friend, Perhaps there are some things that we can do to help. And she walks over to the table and between the plates of food uh, places the mace on the table. And there is an inscription running down the handle that just says, my heart, a ball of burning flame. Can I retrospectively say that as she, as I would have heard her coming back in, I would have scooped up that amulet and hidden it. Sure. That's fine. This sort of looks like my kind of weapon. The best that we can determine, it will help you, like it would have helped you with your straw friend uh, that you encountered in the graveyard. It seems to have fire properties. I really liked the way you immolated him. We do what we can to help those who are in the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm grateful. My tabaxi friend, why would you choose to dig up a grave that you do not know the occupants? Well, I do wish to apologize. You see, I believe this place abandoned, and it was less grave robbing and more archaeology at that point. Mm. Quite. Well, we apologize for the deception. We did not know if we could trust you when you first arrived, so we did our best to keep you from getting close. Truly just a misunderstanding. Hmm. Surely. One cannot judge a book by its cover. An interesting observation, friend. Because we are still left with the challenge, if you wish to take up this quest for Matrias, we still have to get you home. I will recite the riddle. A cute little rhyme, nonetheless. Matrias thought himself quite the poet. 
really he was forgetful and sometimes would make it all the way here and to forget how to get home or make it all the way home and forget how to get back. And you know how to get us back? Mnemonic devices. Hmm. Childish. Certainly, my friend. We have the book that you would need to be able to get back from whence you came. The books function as two sides of a door, right? You open one and you are able to step through to where the other one is. One book is a is a item of this realm and the other is an item of your realm. So we need to only open the other book? It acts as an anchor. Yes. Seems a little simple. Well, it's cross-planar magic. I assure you it's not. No, no riddle or, or code word or anything? Just, no just open the book? No riddle or code word. You just open the book and you will be transported back where the other book is. In fact, I'm curious. I wonder why you didn't wind up here when you opened the book in your realm. What is it about the village that is unique to this place? I mean, nothing specific. That that the well. That village has long been been abandoned. I wonder if it was a side effect of the fact that there were six of you passing through instead of just one. Perhaps the magic wasn't strong enough to get you all the way here. That would seem a logical conclusion. But what about the map? Fortuitous lucky find? Map of how to get here if we were supposed to just arrive here. Alara, yeah, you're looking for an insight check? Go right ahead. Yeah, that's going to be a 10. (laughs) Cass, join on that, seeing as Cass is the one. Yeah, you're talking to her. That's fine. Sure. Yeah. Also not very insightful. Just 11. Just 11. You don't get the feeling that she's lying to you, but you do get the feeling that she doesn't know. That that interplanar travel magic is, at its core, a little wonky. So she really doesn't know why you found a map. She really doesn't know why you didn't wind up here at the chalet. She's merely positing possible solutions. But also, you're not getting any sense that that she did it intentionally, right? Or that she had any control over, over the, the direct passage. Once the items are made, the items are made. You don't feel like it was anything necessarily malicious. There are a hundred reasons why it could have happened. Uh, but she really doesn't feel like you finding the map in which way was anything more than a coincidence. I sort of smile and, and shrug at her as if we had a shared bewilderment and sense of mystery mm-hmm. at this. So to make sure we make it back to Candlekeep, do we need to find some way to augment the power of this other book? A fabulous question. Is the she book back? nearby? May I inspect it? Uh, sure. I can go get it. She leaves the room again. Kess turns to the others and says, does any of you mind if I stow away this mace. Have we had the effects or have we been here an hour where we'd have a short rest? Yeah. You you've been you've been sitting down and eating for an hour. Sure. Okay. Then I will use arcane recovery mm-hmm. and get back two first level spell slots. Okay. I will use one of them to identify the mace if Kess will allow me. Yes, explicitly asked for help with the mace, and so <laughs> is delighted to allow you. The mace is a light mace plus one with the flaming quality, so it would it does fire damage when it hits. 
not additional fire damage, but just Correct. its base damage as fire. Yep, not additional damage, just its base damage as fire. He requires attunement, but other than that... I'll explain that to Kess. And says, I love fire. Once you have locked your will to it, it will convert the damage to fire. So Kess glances around and places it in her pack. The more I talk to these were-ravens, the more horrible they seem. They could be the small beacon of light in this dreaded land. It does appear such. I don't know who painted that portrait. It appears that Matrius agreed. I agree. Alar, I would like to take a really good close look at her in that portrait. Sure. Like close enough to uh-huh. do the thing? I need, uh, so make your intelligence check and keep track of that, please. So after several more minutes, uh, she appears again in the dining area here. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is carrying a book that looks very similar to the book that you saw in Candlekeep. It has black leatherish cover. It is bound with a red sash, just as the other one was. And uh, she places it on the table in front of you. My my dragonborn friend, you pose an interesting question. And I believe now that now that we know that more than what was intended will be passing through the doorway to the book, we can channel some of the energies of the realm around us to ensure that you get home. I hesitate to use the word safely, but I do intend to be able to get you home. While she's having this conversation with Kilvarix, I will be casting Identify on the book. So the first time that you cast, but you still were able to see, it was like uh, it was like one of those like black hole geometry shapes, right? Where it's like, it's like when you when you cast Identify on the book, it was like in, in it drew itself to an infinitesimally distant point, like through the geometry of the world, right? When you cast Identify on this book, you see the same thing. So this and just very much identify reveals it very similarly to the book. Um, and this book on its cover has the Rook and the Brave in its inscription. Do I see any way that the magic could be enhanced or strengthened if indeed it was the weakness of the spell that caused it to go astray? Like pump a spell slot into it or something like that? Exactly. I mean, you are not familiar with the magic of the book. But somebody who was familiar with the magic with the book could certainly do that. And so if Vinique is saying that she can do that, that it passes Arcana muster to be logical enough to work. I'll relay that, you know, and kind of nod at Vernique and her, you know, arcane wisdom. I cannot guarantee. I have never done this before, but understanding enough of the magics that go into the book lead me to believe that we can at least get you home, if not get you home in mostly one piece. If the power of my arcane might would assist you, it is offered. I would hesitate to bring magics from another plane into this one to try to augment this book. That seems like a recipe for disaster. I appreciate the the offer of assistance, though. Would you like us to try? There is much research that I still wish to do back at Candlekeep. Before we go, I have one question for you. 
Of course. If you don't, if you don't mind my asking. Of course. How do you, and she's going to flutter her fingers kind of a little bit and, and go, how do you change? How do I, how do I change? It is just the nature of who I am. All right. We'll sigh. <sighs> okay. Thank you. Before we go, I, for one, would like to thank you for all you have done and in the assistance in our quest. And if you ever need anything that I can help with, just ask for Kilvarix Tiamanthalus, and I will do whatever is in my power to repay the favor. You have shown much honor here. Kilvarix, a friend of Matrias, is a friend of ours. If we ever find ourselves on your side of the mists, we will seek you out. If you ever find yourselves on our side of the mist again, you know where we are. You have shown honor, Candy, of the Red Fang Mercenary Group. Captain, at your service. With that, she steps back from the table and begins an incantation in an unrecognizable language it doesn't seem earthly and the walls around you begin to shimmer with that purple miasma that first emerged when you opened the book uh and it is almost as if it is swirling around you in a in a tornado of of arcane expression and as she holds the tornado in place uh, she looks around the table and says, open the book to begin your passage and safe travels to you all. I will reach out and open the book. As you open the book, the purple mist that flowed from the first book begins to flow out of this one until it fills the room. And just as it fills the room and the light of the candles and of the fireplace dim into darkness, Again, you see a small light emerge from the purple mist. Eventually, that light becomes brighter, and you see your friends around you as the mist begins to subside slightly. And eventually, you find yourselves back in the small room that you left when you opened the book the first time. Arlington still stays in the corner, hand up a protective shield in front of him, and over time lowers it, and you find the, the black Book of the Raven closed and a red sash wrapped around it, sitting on the table, just as it did before. Arlington looks around and says, well, are, are any of you going to open the, open the book, or, or what are we doing here? I will take the red sash and tie the book back up. Well, are, are, are we not doing this now? Is that, is that what's happening? We're, we're not going to do this? It is done. Cass speaks up and says, Arlington, you know that thing where going to spaces takes no time at all? Yeah. Just happened. Huh. All right. Well, I want to hear all about this in the morning. Morning sounds good. I'm really sleepy. And that is the end of the Book of the Raven. If joining the Tabletop Journeys actual play games sounds like the kind of fun you're looking for, 
be sure to check out patreon.com slash ttjourneys, where patrons of the Tabletop Journeys podcast not only get early access to all of our episodes, but they get the opportunity to play in our monthly actual play games, where the dice are wild and we make every roll legendary. 